Yeah, but we can't start without some theme music. Entirely from old trumpets. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 25 of Superheroes for Dummies, the show that tries to bring everyone up to speed on the comic book world. I am your super dummy, Paul, and of course, I'm joined by Mr. Dan. How are you, sir? Full moon, hearth moon, <laughs> total eclipse. <laughs> oh, there's a callback to good times. I can't believe I got a Jaffa cake reference into, uh, <laughs> into a Blue show. I, I bow down to your superior knowledge. That is amazing. Well, uh, I, I, I couldn't I couldn't think of like something witty. Originally, I was going to put insert witty Moon Knight meme here. <laughs> but, <laughs> but then I thought, oh, yeah, I remember the Jaffa cake advert. It's like, okay, cool. Use that. <laughs> well. As you may have heard, we do not have a Mr. Steve with us. He has had, basically, what's happened is he did an interview with Tim Sheridan, and then directly afterwards, his laptop decided that it had peaked and no longer wanted to work anymore. So, unfortunately, Steve is not able to join us. We do, (laughs) however, have a very special guest. We have the host of 20th Century Geek and Stories Out of Time and Space, it is, of course, Mr. Scott Weatherly. How are you, sir? I'm very good, guys. I'm very good. I'm very excited to be talking Moon Knight. It's yes, not often indeed. I get to speak about the uh, um, the Fist of Conchu and, uh, yeah, sort of just expouse the, the stuff that's in my head. So I'm looking forward to it. Any excuse to get it out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as ever, today's character was picked by you, the wonderful listening public, and you have chosen Moon Knight, of which... I hear Mr. Weatherly is a bit of an expert. So and we'll get into that in a second. As predictable, I know nothing about Moon Knight. Uh, <laughs> so there you go. Dan, how about you? Well, shock horror. Never heard of him on Small Wheel, so that's disappointing. <laughs> um, and like, so I know of him, but I don't know him, if that makes any sense at all. Mm. Yeah. So how about you, Scott? Where where was your first interaction with the uh, the Knight of the Moons? I don't know where I was going with that. The Silver Avenger, yeah. Um, uh, so for me, it was uh, the 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 Houston run uh, about two thousand five. Um, I, I picked up an issue. Uh, I think I picked up issue six, and um, it's Moon Knight and Taskmaster. Uh, it's, it, it opens with Moon Knight flying what we learn I've now learned is what he calls his, his Mooncopter into the side of a building and then taking on Taskmaster. Um, and he, he attacks Taskmaster and rips his mask off. And it's obviously got, it's got connotations for things that have happened before. But I was like, this character's awesome. Like he looks, <laughs> I mean, it's drawn by David Finch as well. So the art is incredible. Um, and so then once I sort of had that, picked up some more issues. And then started getting the the, the trades, um, and funnily enough, um, I was then holidaying up north at one point. I was in Whitby, um, which won't be the so Whitby also will be the first Dracula 
reference in this comic, uh, in this podcast. There will be others. Um, I'll, explain, I'll explain as we go. Um, but yeah, I was in a book. There's a second-hand bookshop there. Fantastic second-hand bookshop. If you're in Whitby, seriously, do check it out. I can't tell you the name of it, but it's just down at the entry. And in there, they've got this a box, as you often find in these places, and it was like ten p a comic. So oh, yeah. yeah, it does. I don't think it happens often anymore. But at the time, I was exactly like, oh, that looks good. <laughs> so rifling through, and I got uh, a couple of issues of the original um, Doug Munch, uh, Bill Sinkovich run, and a couple of issues of um, the the longer run, and it was a couple of the Chuck Dixon issues of um, Mark Spector, Moon Knight. I also got some issues of Nomad. Didn't really follow that one up, but Moon Knight really appealed to me. And that was it. I was hooked then. I was just like, that was it. I've got to find out more. I got some of the essential collections. And, and that was it. I was off to the races. And then I became a bit of an obsession. Um, and I now have every issue of every run of, of Moon Knight. Oh, <laughs> um, wow. in an attic. It became a bit of an obsession. And I have two, I have two copies of uh, Wealth by Night 32. Um, uh, and the 33, the, the, the sort of follow up issue. So I've got those. When, when like, no one knew of Moon Knight and I could pick them up for a song, I think I paid like £7 for one of them. Um, you know, in really pretty good condition. Now, if you go, if you would eat, go on eBay and put in sort of a Werewolf by Night 32, like there, they're starting to creep up a little bit. And I'm hoping, not the speculator in me, because I've got issues, that uh, the TV show may help that along a little bit as well. So, yeah, that was, that was my origin for them. Brilliant. I like mm. stories like that. Out of nowhere, you happened upon it and uh, become a bit of an obsession. Yeah. Very yeah. Good. So, begin at the beginning. What What is his first appearance? How did he appear yeah. to us? M- Moon has a, uh, much like his character, it's kind of disjointed. Um, he was introduced in Werewolf by Night, um, in issues 32 and 33, as uh, a villain. Uh, the protagonist of, of Werewolf by Night is the, the uh, wonderfully named Jack Russell, um, who becomes a werewolf, as you can guess. Um, and it, it sort of follows sort of Marvel's horror um, sort of divergence. They did, you know, they did like two of Dracula and a few others, and Werewolf by Night was one of those. And in it, there's a there's a sort of a group called the committee, and the committee hire mercenary Mark Spector to kill the werewolf, and so they clad him out in a silver costume, uh, including sort of like silver knuckle dusters, um, and this hood, and you know the costume sort of it's not the costume we see now, it's a different one. It had like a cape that sort of that split in two and sort of came around to some disc sort of parts on his wrists. It was very 70s. Like, it looks disco cool, <laughs> but, you know. Um, but he was a villain. And then eventually, like, at the end of the issue, he um, switches sides. You know, it's a bit of a face turn. He ends up sort of helping um, Werewolf by Night. And then sort of allows him to escape. And actually, and then basically releases the werewolf on the committee. So it kills all these people. And, uh, and you know, and Moon Knight still takes the money. So you're sort of like, I'm not sure if you're good or bad, but you're a little, you know, you're kind of cool. Um, and that was pretty much going to be it. That was supposed to be. Um, it was. It was. Um, what's it? Perlman? Is it Doug Perlman? I can't remember who created him. But that, yeah, that was the idea. It was oh, he's done now. He's a villain. Whatever. Because he was. That was. That was just it. Um, didn't have an origin. Like he was given the costume, of, and the, the whole thing of like Moon Knight was because he was a sort of you know it's a werewolf. 
you know, it's a pun. That was uh, it. He's clad in silver because it, you know, you can kill werewolves with silver. So that was it. However, some people kind of liked him, and I think Marvel kind of liked him, and was it Perlman sort of liked him. So they sort of started to dot him into other issues. Um, he turned up in um, several sort of issues in in the background, and then they sort of put him into uh, the Defenders. He turned up in a uh, The Thing and, so they, they did like a series, it was like The Thing from the Fantastic Four, The Thing and, and it would be like an issue with him and somebody else, like a Spider-Man and Friends kind of thing. Um, and he just kept getting more popular and he eventually ends up in The Defenders uh, for a run. Not for an entire run, I think it's about six, seven issues. And so he just started sort of gaining traction where people were like, oh, this, this character's really interesting. Um, and so then they gave him his own Marvel Spotlight um, and they started to suggest that actually that thing with the committee was a sort of was a ruse, and he he isn't a, you know an evil mercenary. He actually you know it was there, and it was all a setup to begin with, so he could gain the money. It was, he was always going to turn on the committee and all this other stuff. They tried to retcon it, um, and then it, they just started doing it, and they started doing these more issues. And eventually, he got a backup uh, run in um, Hulk Hulk magazine, um, and so he had just, it was just a backup which was collected together. As let me just check, Countdown to Midnight is called. Um, and, and and that's one of these runs. It was originally it's drawn by um Bill Sinkovich, early Bill Sinkovich, where it sort of like it looks a lot like Neil Adams kind of kind of art, drawn uh, written by Doug Munch. But it's weird because it's it's sort of like a backup to the Hulk. So the Hulk's doing like his 70s thing, you know, sort of a bit like the TV show, because they're still harping on about that. But in the backup, you've got this character and um they have him fight another sort of like werewolf type character who's actually but dresses like a pirate looks really cool never comes back but then it, it, it ends with a with a four issue sort of backup story of his brother so that he's mark specter uh, randall specter starts becoming a serial killer in new york and wears <laughs> a mask and starts killing nurses with an axe like it gets like real and yeah it's dark and eventually he impales his brother on a tree to kill him. <laughs> this is, a, this is yeah. This is even before he's had like his own like, his own comic. <laughs> like so, it, it, it was after that that he, like, I think he gained sufficient popularity that people were like, oh, this character is really cool. By that time, they'd lost the wrist gauntlet thing. They had he, he'd sort of acquired the costume we now know, you know, the hood with the sort of like the crescent moon sort of cape and the, the pure white costume. Mm. And then so in 1980. Uh, Doug Munch and Bill Sinkovich were given the go and said, go for it. Let's do a run. Let's see how it goes. And in that first issue, the 1980 issue, um, it gives him a proper origin story. And that is the first time really that uh, his history with Konshu is fully explained. Or even really, even even admitted, like there's been little hints of things in the past. Like, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's this avatar of the God, but it's never explained. Not until then is it explained that he was this mercenary. He was um, part of a group that was led by a guy called Raoul Bushman. And he had um, a partner within this sort of crime, that, that this group called Frenchy, um, who was French, you may guess. Um, <laughs> nah. And they attack a um, an archaeological dig in part of Egypt um, that's uncovering these these tombs or these ruins um, because they assume there's going to be gold in their, those tombs, you know, like, as you expect. When there's not, uh, Bushman sort of turns on the archaeologists. Mark Spector steps in the way to say, no, 
gets shot and is left for dead at the feet of a statue of Khonshu. Um, he dies, maybe. That's always been sort of, you know, does, did he or didn't he? Mm. But when he comes round, he is then... He, he puts on the, a cape sort of thing and becomes sort of the avatar of Khonshu and then takes his revenge on, on Bushman and all this other stuff. So, and that's it. That's sort of like they're off to the races then. And then you sort of, you get the setup from, from beyond that. Um, so it's not like, yeah, it's not like a lot of other comics where they go like, issue one, here's what we're doing. Go. He had at least sort of five years of dithering around in the Marvel universe, trying to find his place before they really gave him a, um, a solid footing. Yeah, sounds like a lot of people like the concept of him, mm. and we're trying to sort of find a way to fit him in. Yeah, I think that's what it is. A lot of sort of creators had a, you know dipped in and had a go. It wasn't really until Munch really sort of you know took it by the ball by the horns kind of thing and really mm. gave it a go to say, "I've got this pitch. This is what it's all going to be like, and here's all the characters and sort of set it all out and stuff." So. Yeah, that's where it really starts. That's the sort of the key part is that Moon Knight number one. Um, but again, look, it doesn't let up. On well, that first, the second issue is again about a serial killer that's killing homeless people. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you know, they're just like, yeah, it's, it, it, they're trying to make him sort of like street level, but they want to keep that horror, you know, yeah. that sort of darker edge to it. Um, so, yeah, so yeah, it, it, interesting, an interesting beginning for the character. So not necessarily one to give to your ten year old. No. Not yeah. No, I mean it's it's still a very eighties comic, you know, it's not sort of it's not it, it, there have been issues. Again, the 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 Houston run, um, the two thousand five one, like yeah, I wouldn't recommend that for like that's like teens kind of thing. You know, that's not when you go, Hitch, you know, hey Charlie, read this. Like, you know, sort of <laughs> giving your kid nightmares of like a superhero. Um yeah, that that there's a couple of times when like he's not your friendly neighbor. He's not your friendly neighborhood Moon Knight. You know what I mean? Like you know. <laughs> yeah. Blimey. I don't know where I was expecting this to go, but it wasn't that. <laughs> no. Killing people here, left, right, and center, turning werewolf on the on his well, own employer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it gets dark. I mean, the thing is, like, the, the, he's, he's had. Um, you know, one of the things he's never broken through that glass ceiling. Like he's never become like even B list. Like Moon Knight's always been sort of C list. Mm. Uh, the longest run he's the longest run he's had is sixty issues, uh, which is the Mark Spector Moon Knight from the six uh, from the nineties. Never been recollected. Never. Um, and you know, it's got some like it's got like a, a I think like a fifteen issue run of like Chuck Dixon, um, and like Ron Randall sort of like do, um, does some art and stuff like this. It's got some cred, but yeah, Marvel's never collected it. And even though they're doing like the epic collections and the omnibuses and stuff now, they all seem to stop <laughs> just before Mark Spectre Moon Knight. So either I don't think there's any legal issues or anything because they own it, so they, but they've just never got mm. to it. So I'm hoping they do collect it because it gets very 90s in some places. Um, but it's still pretty good. Like even when it's bad, like I quite enjoy it. Like he gets an adamantium suit at one point. Um and there's a version of, you know, the Hobgoblin and all those kind of dudes. Mm. One of those infects him with something and he starts to melt. Like he starts to literally starts to decompose. So this suit is keeping him alive. Um, 
yeah, so there's an issue where it's sort of it, it, like the, the front cover is him pulling his mask off, and it's, it says like Moon Knight is dying, and there's this like half decomposed face on the cover. So you're like, oh man, this is cool. Like as a teenager and as a you know thirty something. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a, it's an interesting he's an interesting character. Like, he's always tried they've always tried to play him that little bit into the you know the edgy. Um, so there'll be stuff down. I'll, I'll mention other stuff down the line of where he has gone darker, and you would sort of go, mm, yeah. Like you say, probably not for the kids, but uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, blimey! Right, okay. Um, <laughs> so that kind of leads on to one of the questions we had, which was from uh, Mike Burton, um, and I put this one in early because I figured it would bounce off into more description about who the character is because mike asks which is your favorite personality of his um so does this refer to the different types of him along the way mm. about all the changes that he made yeah so again this is something to sort of call out so the personality is a, is a growing thing again much like everything else in moon knight talk it's adapted over time um originally that first version the very purest version is just mark specter the, the mercenary and then what doug munch and, and uh, sinkovich introduce is this concept that he um he uses disguises or, you know these versions to sort of to, to infiltrate different parts of society so specter is the mercenary that uses his skills to be Moon Knight. So he uses his fighting skills and his weapons training and all sorts of stuff to be Moon Knight. Right. But then to it, sort of, he's obviously, as a mercenary, he's gained all this money. Um, so he then becomes uh, this, this disguise, I suppose, uh, Stephen Grant to infiltrate um, the, the, the rich, the elites of New York. So that's sort of his way. And that's, you know, that's his, the, the sort of, um, the one that people consider to be Bruce Wayne, which again, we'll get to in a bit, but, like that's the philanthropist version, but then he also has this other character called Jake Lockley, who's a taxi driver, who hangs out, you know, uh, with the sort of um, the in the lower parts of the city to keep his ear to the ground. So that's where he gets his information from. That's where he's got his network of people, all this kind of thing. Um, so when they started, they were literally that they were just disguises. They were just there to be. The, a way of him accessing things to gain information, intelligence, and to sort of do things and to manipulate things. However, about halfway through the run, they start to sort of introduce this idea, very subtly, it's really well done in places, where he's got this girlfriend, Marlene, and she she prefers, weirdly enough, Stephen Grant. You know, so she starts to call him Stephen. Um, but there's one point where he comes in as, as Stephen and he's going out as Jake. Um, and she says, you know, like, oh, stay, stay, Stephen. And she, he snaps at her and he says, the name's Jake and leaves and slams the door. And like after that, they start to subtly have this thing of, is he leaning into these things a bit too much? Um, mm. And then it starts to get called out that, you know, the stress of being Moon Knight is starting to play, you know, starting to, and being these characters is starting to sort of take its effect on him. So that takes toll. Um. And so they did, yeah, but then they, they dropped them for a long, long time. Um, so, they, you know, following the Doug Munch, when there's another one called Fist of Conchu, in which he is just Mark Spector. And then they did Mark Spector Moon Knight. And throughout that, they sort of used them, but not 
as much. So it's not really until the, the sort of post 2000 that they've really become these individual personalities. Like, you know, this idea of um, disassociative identity disorder, you know, having the distinct personalities sort of came about, well, um, probably mostly sort of post Houston. Houston sort of introduces it a bit. Um, and then it sort of grows from there until you get sort of um, most recently like the Warren Ellis run and all that that sort of run there that Colin Bunn and then Jeff Lemire really sort of nails it and sort of introduces you know really sort of solidifies it and then Max Bemis most recently so it's it's something that grew with the character um, but it's never it hasn't people seem to have this this assumption that like oh no from day dot he's had he's always been crazy like he's always been. Mm you know, had this identity, you know, split personality, whatever you want to call it. But no, it's sort of, it's, it's, it's been on and off. Um, and, you know, his type of crazy, which is, unfortunately, I don't know how to best say it, but maybe his mental illness has been a little bit um, flexible as to what it is, you know, sort of like, right. and creators, have, some creators have tr- treated it seriously, others little less so. So it's, it's yeah. But um, of them, I, I, personally, I think Mark, because it's the original. Like Mark is the one that sort of the reason those others exist is because of his guilt, in many cases, uh, and the trauma he suffered as a child, which has now been introduced as canon. So that's um, yeah. So I think Mark Spector's always been my favourite. Well, okay. <laughs> I was hoping for a nice episode where it was just like there's this one guy who is this one character. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than having six million people be one character, yeah. we've now got <laughs> one guy being six million people. <laughs> at least that's different, I suppose. Yeah, but at least there's just one vessel. There's not like, oh, yeah. there's this guy, then there's this guy, then there's yeah. this guy. Like like Robin and bloody fucking Starman and do you know what I mean? Like the legacy yeah. characters. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's never been a legacy character. There have been characters that have been left in his wake a little bit um like they they introduced a bit of a stock almost like a sidekick at one point and um so in the first in the initial run there's uh the guy's name now there's a character who calls himself midnight and he's an art thief um and across a couple of issues like this this whole art uh, thievery turns out to be a, a front for bushman so he can funnel money into something else but anyway, this this art thief is killed but then later on, it turns out he had a son, and this son comes to take revenge on on Moon Knight. But Moon Knight sort of takes him under his wing, actually, and says, "No, no, no! Look, what your father did was wrong. But I'm, I'm, you know, you're clearly skilled. You can, you know, I'll take you under my wing a little bit." And so he he has this sidekick for a short time called called Midnight. Doesn't work out. Um, they get sort of like you know they sort of end up splitting up. This sort of stuff sort of happens. Midnight sort of you, you at one point you think he's dead, but then he actually he comes back um, and takes on the persona of Moon Knight, so he wears like the Moon Knight costume to frame Moon Knight for um, a certain bunch of crimes. And at, at the end of that, again, you think he, he's killed. And you think that's it. His name is Jeff. His name, this, 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 this lad's name is, is Jeff. And so when you think he's dead, you think, oh, that's it. And then again, sort of later on, the Houston brings him back. And when he was killed, um, he actually had a sort of load of bionics done. And now... He, he comes out to get revenge on Moon Knight again, and there's a whole. In fact, I've got this one. I've just. I'm literally. I'm reading a lot of Moon Knight. I've got it here. It's called Midnight Sun, and um, 
he yeah he's had all these bionics and he becomes like Midnight Man, um, and it ends with Moon Knight sort of like they have they fight in a clock tower, and Moon Knight rips the 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 big hand off a clock and basically sort of like <laughs> shoves it down his literally shoves it down his throat in order to kill him. So, um, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it, it's it's an interesting yeah. So he's had these sort of like these characters that that um, have been sort of like, yeah. I can show you. Just, I don't know if you can sort of see that. So he literally sort of you know is ramming it. So yeah, he, he, he's had these uh, these bits and pieces that have happened where he doesn't play well with others, sort of thing, mm. you know. Um, and he knows that. So yes. So anyway, so questions. Let's try and direct the conversation. Otherwise, I'm just going to tell sort of like I'll start at the beginning and work the way through every run. So, <laughs> <laughs> can I just say we've been talking for what nearly 20, 30 minutes, and from what you already described, we're playing pretty fast and loose with the word superhero here. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. He, he, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, he, heroes are talking. He he even th- he even questions himself as to whether he's a hero. Um, and. Uh, so he he has so at the end of the Houston run, like he runs away to Mexico because he's like, yeah, I'm too dangerous. I can't be trusted. So yeah. he goes down. You go. He, he sort of goes to South America because uh, people believe he's dead, and he bumps into the Punisher. <laughs> and so the Punisher's like, whilst you're here, uh, do you want to team up to take on these sort of these Mexican uh, gangsters? And he's like, yeah, all right, <laughs> while I'm here. So they do. They take on these Mexican gangsters that sort of are dressed like luchadors, and it's actually really cool. Um, but after that, he comes back. There's a there's a run called uh, Vengeance of the Moon Knight, and it's sort of like Mark Spector's made this decision. He's like, right, I'm coming back. He uses he now calls himself Jake Lockley as his primary sort of name, and he's like, no, no, I'm, I'm I don't kill. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm I am a I'm going to be a proper superhero, um, and it's sort of him proving himself. And at the end of it, um, Captain America comes to him and says, do you want to join the Secret Avengers, which is um, was the start of like Ed Brubaker's Secret Avengers run, and so that you know he gets trusted by Captain America, which is interesting because pre to that during Civil War, which was the Houston run, Captain America came comes to see Moon comes to see Mark Spector, uh, Moon Knight, and sort of they're having this conversation and like Mark saying to uh, to Cap like, look, I don't care about your silly Civil War, even if you were to ask me, I can't join you, and Steve says, no, 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 you you you're misunderstanding me, like. I don't want you anywhere near this. <laughs> you cannot be trusted. I don't like the way you do things. I don't want to see you involved in this. And if I do see you even try and take a side, whether it be for me or St- Tony, I-, I will take you out. <laughs> wow. So Cap- Cap's really sort of like, you know, in the same way, I think he, he sees, he uh, you know, it's quite clear that Captain America sees Moon Knight in the same vein as frank castle and you know there's the punisher sort of thing so he sits in that sort of realm um and so yeah it, it, it superheroes is, is is a term that's you know it's quite he, he keeps trying to be a superhero he you know he wants to be good um and i suppose it's only been in the last couple of years that he sort of found his niche where he's like yeah no i'm not i'm not gonna be an avenger you know i can't join i'm not gonna join a team i'll do my thing and i'm gonna take on my my little corner of the world, a bit like sort of the daredevil, you know, sort of, um, you know, he has his niche really, but you're right. Like fast and loose is probably a good, a good way of describing it. <laughs> Cause you got like the guy, you got, you got the Punisher and mm. his name pretty much 
describes itself. He punishes people, so he acts outside the law. You hear Moon Knight, especially the word knight, it's like he's a protector, he's a, a champion, he's this. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about a guy who kills somebody by taking a long arm of a clock and shoving it down somebody's throat. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. to be fair, like to be to be fair though, like uh, when Midnight Man comes back, like he is killing other people, like he is acting, he's he's yeah. killing. Uh, so he, he sort of, it, but it, like, yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> it's a bit over over the top, maybe. You know, like where where other superheroes would disarm him and take him in. Like Moon Knight's like, no, there's no other option. Like I can't, you can't be trusted. You know, if there's all this comparison between um batman and moon knight you know it's completely unfounded as well which we'll get into but like put it if moon knight was um patrolling gotham yeah you wouldn't have a problem with the joker you know <laughs> <laughs> that, that would have been solved a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah jeez oh, um okay cool and so our next question is from faye clark and faye asks uh, is moon knight actually a werewolf because uh, he relies on the moon for his special powers, like a werewolf. And for, uh, and the first time we met him was in something called Werewolf by Night, which is what you spoke, yeah. spoke about earlier. So yeah, no, he's not werewolf. He has fought werewolves on several occasions. Uh, he did, the only time Moon Knight has ever had powers. Um, so yeah, Moon Knight isn't powered. Um, he recently they've sort of they've deduced that he is immortal because. He keeps getting resurrected. Like he doesn't have a healing factor, but when he dies, like he keeps getting pulled back. Um, but during a short run in the eighties, there's, there's a run called the Fist of Conshu, uh, which ran for six issues, which wasn't great. But it's the it introduced probably one of his dandiest costumes, like a big gold belt, big gold bracelets, and a bit instead of a uh, instead of the moon crescent on his chest, it had a big ankh, you know, the sort of the Egyptian mm. ankh symbol. Um, in that, he did have that exactly what you're saying. He's had this ability of sort of the the phases of the moon gave him super strength or super agility. So during a full moon, he had he was stronger than during sort of like a crescent moon, say. Um, but that sort of they real I think they realized how daft that was because that means that basically like once a month he could be a superhero and the rest of the time <laughs> he, he would probably be a bit naff. <laughs> so this so that, that sort of went away quite quickly. However, that that run it was when they really started to introduce like the um the supernatural. Um, because they sort of they, they've dropped, they've moved on from the, the the first run, and there were supernatural elements. There's been supernatural has been a part from the very beginning, but he gets orders from these three dead, uh, like ancient Egyptian uh, uh, priests, priests of Khonshu. Like they appear to him and give him orders, sort of thing, and sort of send him on his mission. So sort of, that's where the six issues are. Um, and it, it, yeah, it's clear that like four, by four issues in, they've gone like, yeah, this doesn't work, does it? We'll give it two more, and that, those ideas sort of like fall away pretty quickly, and then it ends. It's just these six issues. So I'm glad that fell away because it, it it didn't work. It really didn't work very well at all. But yeah. It's interesting to hear that he's not actually powered. No. After no. all that. Yeah. He's just a badass. Yeah, that's it. I mean, recently in the more most recent run, or like the pre was uh, one, the current run, uh, Max Bemis did a run um, which got mixed um, reviews. Um, but the first run is called "Crazy Runs in the Family," 
the first arc. Um, and it, it's him versus this other guy who has the power of fire. Like, he can generate fire from his hands and stuff. Um, and he calls himself Ra. He takes, so Moon, you know, Khonshu is one moon god, and he takes on the personification of Ra, the king of the Egyptian gods. And they have this fight at the end, and like Ra's kicking the crap out of him, and his personalities are talking with inside it. And they all determine that actually what he's got is the power of crazy, which like, <laughs> even when you read it, you're like, I'm not sure this is politically correct, but I'm going with it. Um, but yeah, he it, basically this idea is he, he's just really um, unpredictable. Like that's his superpower. Like he's just unpredictable. Even before, like ta- Taskmaster can't mimic him because he just he just cause he, he just he doesn't have a move set. He's just he, he just he just does whatever. Like he's you know he's a he's, he's a skilled brawler, and so yeah. yeah, he's one of the few people that Taskmaster can't pin down. Um, so I suppose he does have skills, but it's not like he hasn't got like a defined superpower set. I wanted to ask, because like I had a little look at Taskmaster just a, like a couple minutes ago, and he does look, his costume does look kind of similar to Moon Knight. Mm. Is there any sort of like link between the two, or is it just coincidence? I think it's just coincidence. I think there's just this idea that, that I, I have a feeling they came out of a similar period where they were like, hoods, hoods are cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, other than that, no, I think they've only crossed paths a couple of times. Um, uh, but yeah, no, again, I, I do like that that design because I think the, the design of the costume again, although Moon Knight's costume is hugely impractical when you really think about it, because that hood prevents all peripheral vision. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe that's why his fighting stars all over the place. He can't actually see what's coming. Yeah, <laughs> he's just windmilling all over the place, <laughs> <laughs> screaming and flinging fists. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, so that actually leads on to Mike's next question. Good old Mike Burton from this very network. Uh, he says, "What is Moon Knight's most peculiar power and tech slash weapon? His silent helicopter thing is something I think is simultaneously brilliant and a bit bizarre." Yeah, yeah. He's, he's had like a moon copter, which when you looked at it, like it clearly wouldn't work. Like, it's one of those things where, like in comics, where you go, fit like the physics just don't work, but it looks cool. So I'll get, yeah, I'm fine with it. Um, one of the things I think, um, <laughs> the things he's got is like, so he, instead of like, you know, he, he has what they call moon da- uh, crescent darts. So they're basically those sort of like shuriken, you know, ninja sort of blade things, but they're shaped like a crescent moon. They're kind of cool because he uses them for all kinds of things. So he throws them, he flings them, he puts them between his, you know, between his fingers to use them as claws, um, and he uses them as bladed weapons and stuff. So he, they're kind of cool. <clears throat> um, but he's also had like a truncheon. I think again, sort of like you know, coming out of the seventies and, and sort of like the, the growth of Daredevil, he sort of has a similar sort of a, a truncheon uh, that can he has used in a similar way to Daredevil, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, I think that, again the tech sort of changes a little bit over time. He had, you know, so he had an adamantium armor suit, which sort of looks incredibly nineties. It's kind of cool, um, but there isn't a great deal of tech. You know, it's always just it's just him, and you know, um, you know, really the biggest thing is his costume. In fact, no, I'll tell you what my favorite thing is. He has a glider cape. So the the, re- so the cape's in the sort of the shape of a crescent moon. So it spans out. And so, you know, it was established quite early on that he could glide with it. 
Um, and I've always liked the idea of that. I've always thought that's really cool. That it's all, you know, he's just got the guts to grab the corners of his cape and dive off a building and be like, yeah, I'll do. <laughs> Glide down to the ground as <laughs> this big white sort of shape coming towards people. Like, you know, he's not, uh, he's not inconspicuous as he glides through the night. Yeah, it doesn't exactly blend in. No. Yeah, I was just looking at pictures of the uh, the moon copter. Mm. Uh, there's a couple of different versions that come up. Yes. Yeah. And each of them more peculiar than the last. Yes. Yeah. They're more more impractical than the rest. Like they, there's one quite recently, which I think from the was from the Ellis run, where he just literally hangs on to the bottom of it. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that that doesn't feel practical in any way, shape, or form. Like you know, you think that it's it's one of those things that in a meeting or something, someone will come up with the idea, and you'd be like, I'm sorry, no, that's. That's not working for anybody. Put that one away. We'll go back to sitting inside the <laughs> helicopter. Yes. Yeah. Give him, give him a big, big thing to jump off a building with. That might work. Yeah. That is just nuts. Um, our next question is, oh, it's our second question from uh, Faye Clark. Uh, and she asks, is Moon Knight just Marvel's version of Batman, just with less dark clothes? I think mm-hmm. we... Yeah. Right, let's get to it. Let's get. <laughs> this gets the thing. And like, screen, I don't know if you like, there's, a, there's a website called screenrant.com, and they often just mm. put like whenever they're talking, especially with the with the TV show and stuff coming or the most recent run, they're like, Marvel's version of Batman has got a new comic, and you're like, it's not. not so, that. it's yeah. So, th- th- weirdly, like, cause Marvel does have a version of Batman. Like you know, they've, they've they've recently had their version of the Justice League. They sort of, or they call them the Team Supreme, don't they, and that sort of thing. So, in Black, is it called Black Hawk, or and they've got because they've got Sentry as their version of Superman, and they've got a version of Wonder Woman called Amazonia, I think. I can't remember. I've read the whole run. So, uh, and he's been around for years. Like he was in the Defenders. This 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 version of this their version of, of Batman. Anyway, so with Moon Knight, the thing is, it's because he sort of. Uh, during the 80s run it's this version of Stephen Grant so he was people see that oh he's rich and he goes out at night as a tech based um, you know no superpowers superpowers hero but the, the thing that's sort of it you might as well say well so is Daredevil or you know there's, there's other you know Green uh, Green Arrow is the same you know Oliver Queen is, is a rich guy who goes out and uses bows and arrows like he's not is a tech guy that goes out and does stuff. That's about it for the comparison. You know, yeah, there's the moon copter and they've done some other bits, but the key fact of the matter is, um, like, uh, Batman's origin is so well defined. You know, we know that Bruce Wayne's parents were killed in Crime Alley. The trauma of that event then drew drove him to gain. Um, you know the physicality and the men, you know the mentality to become Batman. You know, we went off and do all this training all over the world and everything, and that's it. You know, that's the thing. It's the driving factor from his childhood trauma. It's all very straightforward, you know. And the fact of the matter is, no one seems to want to stop and go. You do get that that's clearly some form of mental illness. Like no one has sat down with Batman and gone like therapy mate you know yeah. bruce you can afford it let's have some therapy let's talk about this let's share all right so the, that's sort of it but with with and that's so it's this clean cut thing as well with as well with batman like there's this thing of like first it's based on the bat because 
it's about scaring the criminals. Yeah. So it's this clear cut idea of I shall you I shall become a bat. This again, just a single thing. It's a totem character becoming a bat. Um, but also he's got rules. You know, we, we all know, despite what all the movies will probably tell you, that Batman doesn't kill. And that he's got this this moral code and he's always going to be the best person in the room and he's always going to be prepared and all this other stuff, right? So Batman is incredibly well-defined. Like you'll get slight versions of him, but he's incredibly well-defined. Moon Knight's not that. Like Moon Knight was a mercenary. <laughs> he gained his money by killing people for money. <laughs> like he's, <laughs> he's not a good person. Like He wasn't born to wealth. Yeah, and he joined. You find it later on that he jo- he became a mercenary because he was thrown out of the of the army for basically near killing one of his superior officers in a fight. So you know, like, okay, so he's not a good person. He's looking for redemption. He's not looking for justice or anything. He's looking to, to for redemption for the, his past. Um, and so this again, this idea of, um, you know, although he's a costume, he uses, you know, these darts, he uses uh, moon darts instead of batarangs and other stuff. So, yeah, all right, fine, he does. But again, like, you know, Batman, we've just said, like, you know, Batman is always prepared. Like, yeah, he takes a bit of a beating, but the idea is that he's incredibly well trained. Mark Spector just runs into a fight, as we said, sort of screaming and flailing his arms. Like, he's not <laughs> afraid to get hurt. And again, like, he will do anything to get the job done. Like, the reason Moon Knight doesn't have a rogues gallery after sort of like 40 years plus is because they're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So kid ourselves. Like he is not, he doesn't have uh, a steady moral compass. And that's one of the things like, you know, he, he doesn't work well with teams and he's, he's struggled in the, in the thing, but like, he, he doesn't have that sort of again, like you know, you, you Batman is part of the Trinity. He he's a moral compass. Like he's the counter to Superman in in the in the the DC universe. Like Moon Knight isn't that at all. He's a street level vigilante that's just going out and beating the crap out of people. And every now and then he'll get involved in like a, a supernatural case or something slightly bigger. But you know he'll jump up in that elevation of sort of event stuff. Uh, storytelling but he's always going to be that lower level kind of kind of character which is why he's kind of cool um but more than that like i say he he's okay with admitting he's crazy like there have been runs where he's like yeah i I dress in white (laughs) at night to take (laughs) on criminals like yeah no no, this is yeah yeah, there's a reason for that like you know i want people to come this idea is almost like the counter of batman i suppose in money it's like you know batman lurks in the dark and at the start of the houston run there's a bit where he's like no i wear this because i want people to see me coming because if they they know that i'm coming they're gonna crap themselves because i'm not scared of them they need to be scared of me um and so, yes, yeah, so this idea of him being sort of like Miles Batman, it's its really sort of, I understand the question because he gets bandied around all the time, but he's so much more. Like, he is so much more than that. Um, and more, especially more recently with the introduction of the DID, this idea of the split personalities and all this other stuff, like, he's really grown to, you know, those characters have got something about them. Um, and most recently, they've really started to introduce the trauma as well that caused it. So they've dug into his... Um, his origin like you know it's not clean cut it's been dug into over time um 
and it, it's it's been given this nuanced look of like you know, yeah he wasn't given support but you know he's got this really weird relationship with things like his dad was a rabbi so he's got like a jewish heritage but he worships an egyptian god like you know it's not <laughs> it's not clean cut like you know it, it's um so yeah it, it it's a it's a comparison that more and more falls away i think and I'm hoping that, as, you know, when the show comes out and more people read stuff, they'll see that it's not there. I mean, more so now, even more so recently, since Warren Ellis run, they introduced a character called Mr. Knight, who is probably the most dapper motherfucker in the Marvel Universe right now. So the very first issue of, of, of Warren Ellis's run, so you've got Moon Knight, which is the sort of like the cape wearing, cowl wearing, you know, version Mr. Knight wears an all-white suit, white shirt, white tie, white shoes, white gloves, and, and then right. like a the, the mask and stuff with the crescent on. And he if Google it, why you sitting there? Google Mr. Knight, Moon Knight, Mr. Knight. And uh, Declan Shelby drew him, and the way they did the art, so everything around because he was working with Geordie Belair, and her colours are fantastic. She's one of my favourite colourists. But what they did was they coloured everything else and then just left him page white. So he just sort of like stands out brilliant white on the page with this sort of, like you know, costume. But he's wearing a suit. And then he goes out and he has several adventures, sort of like as... So that's like his detective persona. Um, so, you know, he can he can talk to people because he's wearing a suit. He's wearing a mask, but he's still got this suit on. Yeah. It basically looks like, you know, Saturday... No, what is it? Like, yeah, not Saturday Night Live. Um, John Travolta, live, you know, staying mm-hmm. alive kind of deal, where he's sort of like, he's ready to jive um, as a superhero. <laughs> so, yeah, they've really sort of distanced themselves from that, I think, more and more. Um, in the last couple of years, he does look badass in a suit. It's great. It's re- it's such a cool it's outfit. Really it's one of those things, though, right? And as it is with many costumes, like when you see them on the page, you think oh, that looks amazing. Oh man, I can't wait to cosplay as that. And then basically, you put on a white suit and all the stuff, and you go, "I just look really silly." <laughs> <laughs> Superhero costumes very rarely translate well to to cosplay in the best possible way, unless you are absolutely ripped. Um, so I mean I'd be a full moon, you know, I'm really round kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. oh dear. You do make good points about um sort of the comparison there with Batman as well. Mm. Like if if Batman really wanted to rid Gotham of the criminals, part of you thinks wouldn't he go around in this sort of costume like surprise, I'm here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like scare the living bejesus out of them. Yeah, I mean, you know, the comparison sort of, especially later on. This, so there's a couple of characters, like I said, I've mentioned Raoul Bushman, who was like his, it was acted as his nemesis for years. So you know, he was his Joker, sort of this sort of figure that that, that killed him. He's the one that killed him before he fell before the statue of conscience. So, mm-hmm. um, and and there's another one uh, called Black Spectre, who is sort of like the counter, sort of the opposite of Midnight. So he was a guy called Carson Knowles, Vietnam veteran, who comes back and basically he was a he was a bit of a hood, like a former, you know, like a bit of a low level gangster <clears throat> before Vietnam. But he's come back and he's got this sort of bit of trauma and these skills, and he's like, no, this, you know, like this idea of like the soldiers were rejected, you know, the soldiers were sort of forgotten from Vietnam. So he takes um, the city forgot him. He, he thinks like he's a city's forgotten son, so he decides to become New York mayor. So he's like, I'm going to become the mayor of New York and then I'm going to grind the city into the ground. Um, and I'm going to basically back it up with gangster money. Like I'm going to use criminal money to become mayor, 
which let's be fair probably isn't the first time that's ever happened but um he he almost he almost does it and again like, he goes to prison but like you know he comes back later like in the early 2000s and he starts this whole thing again and he works with um oh, what was his name norman osborne when he when you know after sort of secret invasion when norman's t- is running shield and he's got the the, the dark avengers and all this other stuff um they work together and he's going to make him the mayor of New York. And so there's a confrontation on the roof of a building where they're doing this big parade and Carson Knowles is going to be announced whether he's, he's mayor or not. And so he's dressed up in his, in his, in his gear. We sort of like, it's, it looks like a, like a magneto helmet with spikes on all this other stuff. He's got quite a cool outfit and Moon Knight confronts him and they have a fight. And basically he's like, you, you know, Carson's like, you can't stop me. I'm always going to go for this. So Moon Knight decides to just throw him off the building. <laughs> He's like, all right, well, if I can't win, then boom, off, off you go. And that's when he sort of he fakes his death. And that's when he sort of he runs off to Mexico because he's obviously killed this guy. But he's like, yeah, you're right. He's like, you're right. You're going to keep coming back and you're going to keep trying to sort of kill the city. So, all right, <laughs> there's only one way to deal with this. So he kills him. Um. So, yeah, he is he, he is quite definitive <laughs> in his in his, you know, his approach. Um, because as well, Raoul Bushman is dead. I should know. Well, no, he isn't. He was brought back to life, but he was killed as well. Um, and if you read the, the the bottom, which is sort of the start of the Sean Houston run, so this was like the big Moon Knight comeback. This is one of the ones people talk about a lot. You want, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop something on you now that is gonna be quite shocking. All right, because it was shocking at the time, and if you don't know it, be prepared because it, it it gets weird. Mm-hmm. So, at one point. Raoul Bushman um, starts to do what can only consider some similar, similar, to, similar to what Bane does to, to Batman. He starts to really push him to the edge. You never see this. It's between runs. Because the bottom, the first couple of issues, finds like Mark in a wheelchair. He's you know just sitting alone. He's drug dependent. He's in a really bad place. But you keep getting these flashbacks to how he ended up there. You, you, know, you start to find this information. <clears throat> and then you find out why he's alone. Because everyone's proper scared of him. Um, mm. And what it is, is Bushman pushed him to the edge to such an extent that they were, again, fighting on a roof and he threw, tried to throw him off. This is obviously, you know, a bit of a thing. They go off the roof and as they're sort of clattering down, Moonlight broke his legs and he lands on Bushman. But before Bushman can kill him, he takes one of his moon stabs him to death. But then to make sure, just to doubly make sure, cuts off his face. <laughs> <laughs> and so everyone's a bit like, yeah, now you went too too far then that's sort of like your your sort of superhero card is, is sort of revoked you know you're not you're not worthy and so he, he tries to get himself back from that but there's an issue later on where uh so, so this thing of him coming back you find out that all of this was actually manipulated by Konshu um to sort of make him lethal because he'd stopped becoming this lethal hero he tried to become the good guy and so Konshu's manipulating events to sort of push his buttons to make him lethal again so because you know Konshu is a god. He throw, you know, he likes sacrifice. Um, and so uh, Konshu comes back to haunt him, to turn it, but he comes back in the form of of, of Bushman, but without his face. Oh, so he's he's being yeah. haunted. So he's being sort of like haunted by this figure of his nemesis, but without the face. So he's constantly reminded of his lowest point. Um, and at one point, like you find out that he, it's hard to explain, but without being really weird, he's basically kept the face. <laughs> and so at one point. Again, like you can find this, you can Google it. There's a there's a, an issue where he is stood in front of the mirror wearing Bushman's face when Marlene walks in. 
<laughs> and he's a bit like, uh, it's not, it's not what it looks like. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so it's he has got, he's had some really dark, like they've they've gone weird and they've tried to redeem him probably in the last sort of like six years. Um. So yeah. You know, so that 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 sort of like you know, he went through a quite a sort of that that early two thousands era um, was the time when they were like, no, he's really dark, and you're like, no, no, he is, he's really sort of like he if he was running the city, you know, if he was in Gotham, you know, Two Face would be No Face, and uh, the Joker would have gone off a building quite quickly, I think. <laughs> wow, yeah, stay away from tall buildings. Yeah. It is saying something when the kind of the guy that or the god that created you only did so because he wants human sacrifice. You're kind of on a path to losing, really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, this is our idea. So, I mean, that's the first time Conchu becomes an entity as well. Up until then, he's been. Um, a figure in the sense of like you know we, as if we as like like we would talk about god or or zeus or mm. you know um krishna like you know the, the, these figures of these deities it's just Konshu. oh yeah Konshu was an egyptian god and i am his avatar like he brought me back from the dead but there's never been a Konshu. Like, there hasn't up until that point there hasn't really been a representation of Konshu. this is that houston is the, in 2005 is the first time that Konshu sort of steps forward when he's like Look, I had to. I've had to physically intervene because you stopped being sort of like you know this brutal. This sort of like you were you were really riding high. Like you know people were paying attention to you. You had a sixty issue run. Like you know people were doing well, and then you died, and no one's now you know. And sort of I brought you back, and you didn't do anything. You know you sort of you sat back and you tried to be a goodie, and now I want. I need like for me to thrive as you know this god. I need people to know who I am and I need to people to fear who I am. So I manipulated the scenario. So people are now terrified of Moon Knight because you're going to do this, you know, you are, you are going to become this brutal Avenger. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, they, they do have that, you know, that's sort of the whole thing. So sort of he realizes he was manipulated and eventually he sort of gives in, like he's still fighting crime, but he's now sort of, you know, like Batman and, and, Batman vs Superman is branding the the criminal. So when they go to prison, they know they've been caught by Batman. Yeah. Moon Knight was doing that in the early two thousands. Like, but he brands them in their forehead. Like, or he cuts a, a moon to their head. So they they're sort of identified as having been caught by Moon Knight, and then they're then seen as criminals. So yeah. So that you know, it, it's so there you go. Moon Knight beat Batman to that one. <laughs> um. um so there's a great issue off the back of that. So during, because this is post-Civil War, so during the Registration Act sort of run, mm. uh, when they were trying to do that, there's an issue, issue 13 of this run, where Mark Spector goes into S.H.I.E.L.D. to be assessed as to whether or not he should get a, a, like a card to be a, you know, like a registered superhero and all this other stuff. And at the end of it, they're like, no, we're not going to give you a card. And he's like, all right, that's a shame. I'm still going to keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> and they're like, well, no, no, because if you do it, you're a criminal. He's like, right. Like, he was like, well, what I was doing before was criminal. That, that was criminal. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not entirely sure what the difference is. Um, 
So yeah, so th- that run in particular is, is very much sort of you know centers the character sort of into the twenty first century. Jesus. Well, there you go then. (laughs) Jesus. Okay. Go on then, hit me with the next question. Yeah. Um, A slightly normal question in comparison to all of that. (laughs) Uh, From from Faye Clark again, back to the outfits briefly. Um, She said, uh, do you think he has the coolest of outfits? And then she says, my personal fave is his white suit that you Mm. were talking about. Are those the sort of you? So you mentioned the white suit, his original one, and then the one they saw. Are those the three that he's had? He's had a couple. So, yeah, he's had, like with all suits, like he said, slight variances. I mean, the main one has been that sort of the white uh, costume with the the hood and the big cape is the main sort of thing Uh, with these big sort of uh, wrist gauntlets. So that that's been the main sort of one, um, and that's just been there has just been variances on that. More recently, they did sort of like an armor, a slight the, the, the armor plated one from the nineties, which is kind of cool. And um, more recently, they sort of changed it up, so it's sort of um, again, it was Declan Shelby that introduced it. This one where it's sort of like it's mostly black, but with like silver and white chest plate, uh, and then like sort of. Um, uh, sort of like moon crescent, sort of like forming a gauntlet on his arm and on his legs and stuff. And that's quite a cool one. That was really cool. Um, and uh, in in Vengeance of the Moon Knight, he had one that was very similar to sort of like a, like a, a a white version of Christian Bale's Batman outfit. Sort of like you know those sort of like uh, panels, armor panels on sort of like a bodysuit kind of thing. So they did that as well, which was it was all right. But uh, no, I think I think again, like the white suit just is really cool idea. It's just really unique. Um, mm. as as an idea, uh, and it's used really well um, throughout that run. But um, I'm I'm a bit I'm a bit of a sort of like I like the OG suit. I just think it's really cool. Just that idea of the hood and the the, the big cape and stuff. I think it's just a it's a really cool look. Yeah, but I definitely think he's got the coolest outfits. Mm. Yeah, they sound cool. Impractical. Cool. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone made a really good point. Like, you know, with everything being like that, like, you know, that sort of like you've got white boots and white outfit, like, yeah. Yeah. On a on a on a wet day, <laughs> running, <Yeah. laughs> running through a dirty city, like that suit does not stay clean. Like, you know. <laughs> uh, and let's face it, after sort of the first couple of stabbings, it's not gonna be very white anymore. <laughs> yeah. Forever just scrubbing it. Like, oh get this I can't get this blood out of it. Bloody yeah. hell. <laughs> oh yeah. Did not think this suit through. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's brilliant. Um our next question is from Mr. Dave Horrocks of this very network. Um, and he asks, has any other character had more number one issues? Straightforward, more volume. Um, the only one, I'm sure Wolverine probably has, because he's appeared in like like thousands of books. Um, I don't know though, like, yeah, there, there, there's been, let me think, so apart from that, so the original, um, Fist of Conchu, Mark Spectre Moon Knight, um, uh, High Strangeness, uh, the one that he came back, 2005, um, Bendis. She looked at least 10. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Um, 
and two, but two of those are like mini runs. Like two of those are sort of like you know four issue runs um, that brought him back from the dead. Um, so yeah, no, it's probably it's probably up there. To be perfectly honest, he's probably up there. There's one of those ones that got had the most number ones. Yeah, it's weird because he just like, they, they get like he gets like a short burst of a run. Like you know, his first ever run was like thirty, I think just thirty issue, and then six issues and then then he gets the 60 issue run never been collected and then you get these two sort of mini series um that bring him back from the dead and then what called high strangeness um and then i mean there's a couple of one shots as well so i, mean, I don't think they really count but yeah no he's probably up there actually he's had quite a few runs where he sort of you know he has usually around 30 issues a run which seems to seems to be sort of um but I, I blame Marvel. He's one of these things, like, you know, when Marvel was regurgitating, so they did, like, Marvel Now! Or, like, you know, what's it called? Like, the, the, the Age of Heroes. Like, he keeps mm. popping up in them, and he, he's always thrown out, but, like, then they'll reboot it, and you're just like, oh, for God's sake, just, you know, have a proper long run. Like, give someone a really good chance with him, and I think you'll find it'll work. So, you know, touch wood, hopefully this latest run will go more than more than 12 issues. Yeah, I guess that is part of the problem. Like you sort of talked about it earlier as well. He doesn't really have a rogue gallery because they're all dead. Yeah. It's hard to. I guess it must be hard to have a continuous run of new stories because you can't sort of say, right, we need, we need to have a break to have a think. Let's do ten issues with like Batman. Let's do ten issues with him on a story against the Joker. Give us time to think about something new. Oh, we can't. He's dead. He's yeah. dead. Well, He's dead. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, there's a few that aren't. I mean, there's a few that just fell by the wayside, you know. And that's that's another unfortunate thing. They've got one. Um, they had some really interesting ones. I mean, they had some real cack as well. Like you know, they they, <laughs> they rolled out some real like ones that lasted an issue, and you go, yeah, no, no, don't do that again. Um, <laughs> um. But there's there's ones that was a there was a guy, um, Morpheus, who's called. And he basically got he was drugged and he was sort of he ends up mutating from this drug. And so when he um he can't sleep, they have to sedate him and keep him because he's lost his eyelids. And so he becomes this character called Morpheus. And so what he does, he can't so when he can't sleep though, he he generates this like this this dream or this sleep energy. Um and then he uses this energy to sort of form nightmares for people. Um and you can get trapped in this sort of thing, or you can use it to like, almost like a green lantern to generate something physical, uh, or at least it looks physical and stuff to sort of. And that was a really cool idea. This character Morpheus, and again, like, you know, it just sort of got left by the wayside. So he's definitely out there because he got mentioned. He gets referenced in a couple of issues not not too long ago. Um, and what the, what's the great thing is he's the half brother of of Marlene Moon Knight's. Um, Girlfriend, uh, yeah, Moon Knight's girlfriend. So there's all these great connections. So there's a couple of characters that, if it was up to me, I'd, I'd roll back out and be like, yeah, let's let's try this again. Let's go back to this character. There's some there's some interesting stuff there. Uh, there's one in particular. There's a fantastic character that I'm, I think it's really tragic has never been rolled out it, anywhere else in the Marvel universe. There's a, there's a character from the uh, the original called Stained Glass Scarlet, and what she is, she, she was a nun um, who. At one point, so Moon Knight investigates these gangsters start getting killed off, um, and you start and you find out it's this stained glass Scarlet, 
And what it is is she's taking revenge on the gangsters that killed her. So she was sort of had she had this affair with this guy, and it turns out he was bad news. You know, he was part of these gangsters, and left her. He left her with this kid. But this kid, because she was a single mom, she struggled, and this kid got involved with gangsters, and she's obviously become a nun and this other stuff. And so she's decided to sort of dis get become disavowed and takes revenge on the gangsters that corrupted her son. Uh, but when her son finds out what she's doing, he confronts her and she ends up killing him as sort of like, you know, there's no, yeah, there's no redemption. I can't bring him back. And so she sort of ends up killing him because he's sort of, he's not even selling drugs on the street. He's doing all this other stuff. No. So she knows that, like he's bad news. Like he's just as bad as his father. Like she sees this reflection of his son and the father. So she, she ends up killing him and she, so she she's like proper broken up. And then she came back again during the Mark Spector Moonlight run for us for again like she's she's a bit like Huntress in that way you know she's sort of trying to take this revenge on uh, this wider gangster sort of thing and she's a really cool really interesting character and she would fit with like Moonlight with Moonlight or Daredevil or but yeah she's sort of been lost to the annals of history but Stainless Stain Glass Scarlet is a really cool character that I think would would could you know I'd like to see her rolled out again see her work. Um, yeah, I'd love to see him in Moon Knight, but if you got put into like a Daredevil run or something, that'd be great. Especially with Electra being Moon Knight, um, sorry, with Electra being Daredevil at the moment, so I think she'd be really cool in that. So, yeah, there's a couple that I think would be really great. You know, that Rogues Gallery that exists in the past um, to to bring, but they, they sort of, they, I mean, they, they seem to be leaning into the supernatural a bit more at the moment, um, which is cool. You know, he's he's got some interesting supernatural villains. Um, you know, he's fought werewolves, he's fought vampires, so yeah, you're well, right. Hopefully, well, hopefully, like, sorry, well, hopefully, like, once the movie's out, then they'll be they'll bring in a new audience, and then they'll be in mm. the line for Moon Knight, and then they could do it like you know, so every superhero has that one that one supervillain that's brought them to like the brink of death or something like that, or it's mm. like their like their the toughest fight ever, like. Put them in the shadows for a bit and then bring them back. Yeah. So then it can be like, okay, we can now probably bring out a new villain. Give us time to bring out a new villain or something like that. Like, I don't know. Like, do something like that. Yeah, I think there's definitely potential to start to, you know, to bring out some of these other ones. I mean, from my point of view, I've got this, this, this idea in my head. You know, every fan has that idea of the story they want to do. Um, I, I'm, like a re I'm a big fan of like weird fiction, you know, like sort of Lovecraft and um, you know, Arthur Mack and all these sort of like older sort of like weird sort of uh, horror tales. Mm. And I've always thought like, you know, they, I'd love to see him sort of like, you know, not so much because Doctor Strange has got pure magic. Like Doctor Strange is up there as sort of, you know, the Marvel Universe. Like he takes care of the magical problems. But like, I want to deal with like the weird, like, you know, these things that are just sort of like, you know, exist in the weird realms. And it seems a little bit like they're trying to do that with the current room, which is kind of cool. But there was a run that was done uh, there was a story, it's a one-off story that was when Marvel brought back Marvel Presents um, a couple of years ago. And it, they did this story where uh, Moon Knight, again, in a in sort of like uh, a Mr. Knight guys, the, the people are being killed and they're, they, they're all being branded with this sort of, it looks like an eye, this symbol, um, but they're, being, they're, they're all killed in very specific places. And he's investigating it and he sort of, he, he links it all back to this hospital. And in this hospital is this guy in a coma that has this brand but he that you know but he wasn't attacked he just sort of is in this coma and then they sort of basically deduce that he's using some sort of projection to go out and do these killings 
And so Moon Knight has to attack this hospital and people are trying to stop him. So it's, it's, it's a really cool, like, uh, well um, drawn fight scene as he gets to this hospital. And it ends with him, like, the, the climax is him just pulling the plug on this guy's life support. But it's never explained, like, well, what was he? Like, you know, what was this all about? Like, it's like, well, that doesn't really matter. Like, he's, he's, he's stopped the, you know, he stopped the killing. But there's this weirdness, this, this sort of, um, you just don't know what it was about. And I, I loved the sort of the ambiguity around that. Um, and I, I'd love to see a bit more of that. I mean, Ellis did that. You know, there was that thing in some of those where Warren Ellis did a couple of issues. He did a six-issue run. And each one's a standalone story, but they're sort of connected both to themselves <clears throat> as a run, but also they connect back to like older stories. Um, there was like an homage to uh, Morpheus. They did a dream episode, a dream issue, which is really cool. Um, which uh, I'm not going to spoil it, basically, but basically he goes to a, he goes to a, dr a sleep clinic. And then he finds out <clears throat> that the guy who runs it killed a guy and buried the body under the floorboards. But because he's done it, this drug they've been using for sleep has been seeping into the body. So the ghost of this guy is sort of his dreams have been projected out to the clients of this hospital. Um, and so, yeah, he goes to the dream world. It's really bizarre. It's, it's again, beautifully drawn. Um, but then they have another one where the ghosts of punks um, are, are terrorizing to the streets of New York. Um, and so he tries to take him on as Moon Knight and he can't punch him, but they seem to be able to punch him. So then he goes and decks himself out in like these Egyptian clothes, including like a giant bird head. So he looks like Konshu and then he becomes like, like a ghostbuster and starts beating up these ghosts. But then you find it's all linked back to this music box um, where these, these, these uh, thugs, punks, whatever have died. And there's this music box and that links straight back to, it's almost like a direct sequel to an issue or a double issue from the, the, uh, the, the Munch run, uh, the Bill Zinkovich run in which a, a guy gets, gets tangled with these, these sort of street thugs. Um, but he's bought his mum this, um, uh, music box. And it sort of centers her again around this music box being a representation of sort of like how music can save you. But again, like, you know, there's really cool stuff like that. Um, but it's always tinged with the weird. Like, you know, if you don't know that stuff, like it still works as a story in this ambiguity. But it works also as this beautiful homage to sort of stuff that's gone, uh, stuff that's gone before. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, went off a little tangent there. <laughs> Blimey! So hopefully, good things ahead. Mm, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the night. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley fucking Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not fuck 
death in need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love. Harley Quinn past. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. All work and no play makes for a dull way to live, don't you agree? Join me, Adam Ray, and a very special guest each week on The Hostile Takeover, where they and I discuss their favourite game, PC, console, board game or tabletop, whatever they decide, what we will talk about. Let gaming be the way forward. Working's too much. It's time for a Hostile Takeover, coming soon to a podcast feed near you. In a world of stereotypes, being called a geek comes with a certain image there is still that ingrained thing within me that is a little bit embarrassed about it in reality geek culture has never been more mainstream and behind every geek is a real story my dad was the one who got me into star wars and things join me your super dummy paul as i continue my learning experience and talk to the real people i'm a secondary school teacher so i teach 11 to 16 year olds in english hear their stories exclusively on fantastic universes he's one of them like you've ever going to grow up and i'm like no why should i i I like my life I, i enjoy what i do this is my hobby available on all your favorite podcast catchers Hi, my name's Steve, and I'm here to tell you all about the DC Comics News Podcast. Every week, my friends and I sit down and discuss everything DC. Movies, TV and streaming, comic books, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. (laughs) No, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Whatever the case, you can find the DC Comics News Podcast on every podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere else you find podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. Ladies and gentlemen, back to the lab. 
next question is from Mike Burton. If you had to choose which one run shows your favourite iteration of Moon Knight? Um, it, to me, I'd, I'd say that it's the original Monch run. It's that sort of 30-issue run from you know the very first issue. Um, for, for, for two key reasons, really. Um, it's Bill Sinkovich coming into his own um, as an artist. So, you know, Bill Sinkovich is really known from the 90s for doing things like uh, New Mutants and, uh, you know, some quite X-Men books and stuff <clears throat> and having a real scratchy sort of experimental style. That all came from working on books like Moon Knight in the 80s because um, when he starts, he's very sort of like Neil Adams. He's, he's, you know, his line work is very light. He's, he draws this very clean um, sort of style. But then becomes as the run as his, these comics develop, he becomes more experimental. His, his, his uh, panel layouts become more unusual, and does all this other stuff. Um, and it's it's great to see, like it's just as a changing artist. Like it's fantastic to see some of the art develop. Um, but more so, like uh, Munch's his work on it is fantastic. Again, it starts very much as a street level. Um, it's it just starts like as a street level vigilante. Like you know, it starts with these these cases, and it's got some weird stories and some of it odder than others and it goes international and it sort of has all these tastes but then it keeps sort of trying to do different things and eventually like there's all these social commentary issues like the ones with the as i mentioned there's one um with the music box which talks about sort of um family and um yeah, the house of music can save you there's one uh, i think it's called whether it's called punch me or punch but it's about a guy who basically just goes around punching people and you, you find out he's had a break he's had like a psychotic break but it all boils down to either, uh, him being abused as a kid um, and the, the, and so Moon Knight doesn't want to deck him because he's like, well, I'm just perpetuating. It becomes this idea of the perpetuation of the cycle of violence. Like, you know, well, if I hit him, all I'm doing is matching him with the stuff he's already doing. So there's, and there's these really interesting ideas that they keep going into. And it ends again, like, you know, as I've said, like, you've, <clears throat> you know, that, that, that Mark is, is from, uh, has got a Jewish heritage. Never really mm. made an issue. But then, like, towards the end, it comes into it. So in the final couple of issues, um, it digs into the fact that about his father and this idea of sort of being from um, a Jewish family, but having an Egyptian God as your, as your, being the avatar of an Egyptian God. And it goes into sort of like, um, uh, what's the word they could fill up, but basically like Jew, mis, Jewish mysticism and all this other stuff. So like there's, it's got a, such a wide range of stuff. Uh, and the art's great. I mean, you know, it's one of those where you've got, a, you've got to deal with eighties coloring, which is always a bit iffy. You know, that's mm. just what it was. But other than that, I, I think it's such a strong run. Um, and it's what really got me into it when I was really digging in. It was those those at first, those early issues that were um, the the ones that sort of, you know, that really stand out to me. Thank you very much, Mike. Uh, where are we? Ah, so yeah, our next question is from our repeat offender, uh, Faye Clock. Um, who, asks, uh, who does Moonlight normally team up with? So he has teamed with a few people. I see he's been on Defenders. Um, he, he was on the West Coast Avengers for a short time. Uh, he, he, had, he had a relationship with Tigra uh, whilst there. Um, uh, and he left because of identity issues linked with that. Uh, other than that, like he's teamed up with a few people. He was on the Secret Avengers for a, for a time. Um, he, had an, he actually had like an Avengers card. Which he burnt in front of Captain America in, in issue fifty of Mark Spector Moon Knight, which is quite which is quite a good issue. Um, other than that, like he 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 
he has teamed up with like Spider Man on several occasions. Uh, and there's a great one where he sort of they're, they're, they are disputing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Spider Man says to him, he says, oh, he says, All right, Mooney, Mooney rhymes with the loony. And it's sort of like, you know, so he, he, they don't like each other like at all. But like, I can kind of imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they've they've partnered up a few times. But there's there's been a couple of Daredevil team ups. Um, but the most interesting ones are always with with Punisher. There's been a couple of times he's he's dealt with Punisher, and again, they sort of acknowledge each other as similar. But again, there's this friction of like. Frank thinks he's got, you know, he's on a he's on a wall. Like he thinks he has a code, yeah. Despite everything he does, like he's got, I've got a code. I don't kill kids. I don't do this and that. So he thinks, like, you know, he thinks that um, Moon Knight's a loose cannon. But Moon Knight also sees him like, you know, well, I don't go out to kill. I may actually do it, but that's not my objective. Your objective is to go out and kill. So they've got this sort of like, you know, this slight clash of uh, of code. But I always find them two really interesting. Um, in the in the one of the more recent pun, uh, Punisher runs, there, there was a Moon Knight appearance in there, um, and then there's a conversation which goes something like, um, "They cross paths, and uh, Punisher says to Moon Knight, uh, still worship worshiping an Egyptian god.' And he says, "Yes, Frank. Um, no, he says this. He says, oh, he says, Moon Knight, you still crazy? Yes. How's the Egyptian god? Fine. How's the dead family?" <laughs> And so, yeah, and they're like, still dead. <laughs> you like, yeah. Wow. So they have like an antagonistic partnership a few times, but they, they have partnered up, and I find them the most interesting. Um, but other than that, like, he doesn't. He's not. He, he, he just doesn't. You know, it, it doesn't work well, really. Uh, mainly because I don't think the, 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 the superstars don't trust him. You know, they don't feel he's trustworthy. Um. I'd like to see him team up with a couple of others. You know, I'd like to see him team up with some of the. Uh, I don't know. Like I say, it'd be interesting to see him in Doctor Strange. Um, uh, maybe. Um, everyone puts Wolverine with everybody, so but you know, <laughs> the, 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 it would be interesting, um, to really sort of have a you know a good sort of uh, tussle between them two. So, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, he has teamed up with a few people, but I do find he's most interesting when he's teamed up with Punisher. Yeah, doesn't play well with others. Yeah. No. Speaking of which, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we've we've sort of covered the fact that people often die when around him. Yeah. But uh, Mike Burton again, uh, he says, "Who is your favourite Moon Knight villain?" Now you've covered a couple of them, but who's your favourite? Um, there is Bushman because he he is a really cool design and he's a really cool character. Um, really, the thing is, like Konshu is the villain, and he's one of the most interesting mm. ones. You know, like he's manipulated Mark, he's broken him, and and you know, and the fact that you never really know if he what he is like. You know, they've sort of. Marvel leaning into more that he's, he's like an inter, he is an interdimensional small G god, um, but I like the fact that like Mark knows he can't. So it was it was established pretty early that yeah Mark was brought back to life by Conchu, and if Conchu wanted he could take that gift away. So Mark sort of tied to him, 
and so you know there's, there's there again sort of like um for for years he act, it was almost like this thing this you know this sort of damocles that was hanging over mark and then when they finally have this the, you know the materialization in, in the houston run he's sort of been this antagonist this villain you know on his shoulder for for years um and so I th- yeah i just find conchu the most interesting i mean the jeff lemire run in 2016 really confronted it <clears throat> where it ends with steve jake and, and mark sort of saying like they, they basically so there's a uh, panel of panel they, they basically sort of like crush the skull the, the he's represented by like a bird skull head on top of a white suit with with sort of um spider webs on him <clears throat> and they crush this skull head saying basically we don't need you you know we, we are we are moon knight and we don't need you we will still we and we are going to do good which is again him trying to get back to his roots and so there's always been this idea of him being an antagonist and if anything he's sort of more recently become he's accepted his place and become almost like a part of the system within within those personalities but no country has always been a villain i find really interesting um our next question uh yet again mr mike burton um he said aside from conshu uh has moon knight come across any other gods or deities um not directly like i said there was there was the guy the sun king who sort of takes on the personification of ra yeah. um but that's been it really they've never really gone into the the sort of the pantheon of this sort of the egyptian gods uh just conshu so no not really they've never really they've never really gone into it um, we've probably missed opportunity to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I was going to say that's it's interesting not to because there's a lot of them. And yeah, there's quite a lot of content. <laughs> yeah, you'd think maybe one day. I mean, the, the, like I said they had the Egyptian priests sort of you know giving them orders back in the fist of country, but other than that, no, not really. Um, not like I can think. And, well, the Jeff Lemire run sort of does, but again, it's sort of is is it, it it's most likely all in his head. <clears throat> so he, he sees like you know the dog headed. Um, um, Baphomet and all these other things, like you know, he's come across those, but not, not, um, not directly. Although I'm thinking, end of um, now, I think about it, he does, but only once, and it's sort of well hidden. There's a god, and it is, it, I think it was Baphomet, but um, there's a god that comes to earth and takes on human form and tries to take over Spectacore, and that's, and he ends up trying to uh, poison everybody with a virus. And uh, Moon Knight has to sacrifice himself to stop the the virus from being released, um, which is when he dies for the second time. Um, so yeah, yeah, but not like a proper god, not like you know, not like taking on Ra or um, you know, I think bloody I can't believe I can't forget the gold now. Like you know, the the one that weighs your heart versus the feather and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, no, unfortunately not, which is a shame. Yeah, my mind's gone blank on that. That's really good yeah. point. <laughs> I used to be obsessed with Egyptian gods. Um, yeah, that's disappointing. Bad Marvel. Anubis. There you go. Anubis. Just that's pops the in one. my head. There you go. Old Jackalhead. Yeah. That's upsetting. I'm disappointed. <laughs> um, right. Now, the next question is one of those where I've got an addition to clip on to the end of it. It's from Dave Horrocks. He says, why did Moon Knight reject the Phoenix Force? My addition is, what the hell is the Phoenix Force? <laughs> so, um, 
so recently, uh, it, it, again, it's one of those. It's one of these sort of stories that has a little bit of a contentious reputation within Moon Knight fandom. Um, Jason Aaron did. He's obviously he's been really doing an Avengers run, um, and in it, there's a, there's an arc called the Age of Konshu, uh, and in it, it literally starts with Konshu, uh, well, Mo- uh, Konshu driving Moon Knight to take out the Avengers so that Konshu can take over the world. But you realise he's doing it to stop... Um, he's doing it to stop the Phoenix Force, which we'll get to in a minute. But the, the first issue with this run, of this short arc, was absolutely excellent because it has Moon Knight fighting um, Danny Rand. Um, cross the mighty my mind, it's that late. Um, what's he called? Fist, there was a bloody TV show. His fist goes all Iron goes on fist. fire. Iron Fist, thank you. Bloody hell, I can't believe I couldn't forget that. One. Christ. <laughs> yeah, so he takes on Iron Fist. You know how Iron Fist, um, the, he names all the moves as his kit. You know, as he's doing things like Scorpion Kick. Uh, you know, like Tiger Claw Fight. You know, Fist or whatever. When Moon Knight, Moon Knight was just like Fist of Conchu, Fist of Conchu, Fist of Conchu. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like Foot of Conchu, and he kicks him in the head. So like, you know, it was it, it made me chuckle. Um, but yeah, he took out the Avengers pretty handily. Like, you know, they used like some really silly ways around it, like the fact that like Mjolnir was made of moon rock and he is the moon avatar and all this other stuff, so he can he can use this stuff. Um and he took on, but he also took on at one point as well, he actually took on the spirit of vengeance, um, Ghost Rider. And so he steals like the Ghost Rider car, you know, they've got the charger. Um, the current guy, he sort of he takes on that and is driving that. So you had like Ghost Rider Moon Knight at one point, and it was awesome. So so that was cool. Um, uh, and he, so he he did he took out um, all the Avengers, and the idea was that he could be powered up to take on um, the Phoenix Force. Because um, the Phoenix Force to come back to it. Now, the Phoenix Force is this intergalactic energy being that is in, immensely powerful. Um, originally it was created by Chris Claremont. Uh, for the X-Men and is the sort of like was when Jean Grey uh, became Phoenix she took on the Phoenix Force and became this sort of like ultimate being but it slowly corrupted her until she eventually sort of uh, sacrificed herself to eradicate the Phoenix Force and she was so she was gone for, for many many years and it's bounced around a few times there was a character called uh, uh, Rachel Summers who came in again created by Chris Claremont who was the the daughter of Scott Summers and Jean Grey um, from the future, and she came back, um, and so and she sort of was possessed by the Phoenix Force, um, and so it's been around for years. It's just been around, but it's this thing. And so a version of a, a the Phoenix Force was coming back. So he does. He takes it on, and he gets sort of like it's a bit like you know when He Man says, like, "I have the power." Like Moon Knight took on him, sort of like you know, powered up, and he got like a really cool outfit. The, the reason he rejects it is because he realises like he's, been, again, been manipulated by Konshu. Because he's like, hang on a minute, I may have taken on the Phoenix Force, but all I've done is I've just basically thrown the world into a cocked hat. <laughs> I've taken, some reason, we've I've literally taken over the world. And it's not good. Like, it hasn't worked out well. And he realises, like, he can't be trusted with it, and Konshu can't be trusted with it, so he, he gives it up. Uh, eventually, and he was, I think, if I remember rightly, he was talked out, he was talked down by T'Challa so like you know he talks him down he's like look you cannot be trusted with this like you you, your track record says that you shouldn't have intergalactic energy beings 
Um, and he does, he gives it up for that. And I think, you know, again, it's this idea of like, I did, I, I did this for the best reason, but I clearly didn't go around it in the best possible way. <laughs> um, so that, that was it, right? He, again, he was trying to redeem himself. And at the end of that, he sort of, he, he basically sort of, um, uh, Konshu as, as a being, this, 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 this being, he, he, he's materialized as a physical being, is actually was sort of arrested by the Avengers and as far as I'm aware, is still imprisoned somewhere, um, oh, by the Avengers. And and that, that sort of suggested that that's going to come up again, um, at some point soon. So, yeah, it, it, it was a good looking run, but again, it's, it's a bit contentious between sort of Marvel fans because it's that sort of thing of like. The, the circuitous sort of like uh, logic that they reached for him to be able to defeat the Avengers. He's like, mm. <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it all felt a little forced. Yeah. They knew the end result they wanted. Yes. Yeah. It was, it was a transitional story because it, it led to the, the Phoenix force being split amongst the Avengers, you know, that sort of thing. So it was, it was a, it was a, a transitional story. Um, it was fun, but yeah, not not great. Fair enough. Uh, our next question. Oh, Miss Faye Clark. Um, she asks, why do you think Moon Knight is a lesser known character? Uh, I think it's twofold. Um, I think he he rarely his early stuff has rarely been reprinted. So He's you know he's not in wide circulation like that that um the the in fact recently like, all all his munch stuff like that 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 original run um was collected in little bits and pieces like you know, an, an issue here an issue there in other collections um and if anything his pre stuff like pre actually having a run has been collected more than his actual comic runs. So like his appearances in the Defenders, his appearance in Marvel Spotlight, and all those things have been collected more than his actual comic run. Um, and so yeah, he's not widely available, which is I find bizarre. They did like the essential collection, you know, they sort of do the, the they did it like in the black and white sort of thing on newspaper print. They did they did it, they did those. And those go for quite a bit now. But for some reason they just never reprinted them, which I find bizarre. Until they've done like the epic collections, you know, they're doing these really nice sort of like they're all paperback, but they're doing like the in chunks, they're doing quite big chunks of these things. So they've finally collected them all, uh, and they look great. And they've also now done the Marvel omnibus, you know, the big, lovely omnibuses. Um, they've done the volume one of that, and that collects an awful lot of that original run. So if you've got the money, like that's the way to see it. You know, these big, beautiful sort of hardback books. I haven't got it yet. I will. I will. Just don't tell the wife. <laughs> <laughs> when you sort of go, why have you got four copies of this one book <laughs> in different formats? Um, <laughs> So, yeah, th th I think that's a part of it. The other thing I think is, like, he's just not, you know, whenever we've gone through these superhero cycles, he doesn't sort of fit into a category. You know, he's not in, he's not like an aspirational figure, you know. It's not like kids are going to dress up as Moon Knight and be like, <laughs> yeah, the Fist of Conchu. And, you know, it, it's not, it's, it, he doesn't fit into that sort of realm of, you know, so I think that's always been a problem. He's sort of like, when he's, when he's been on team, he's been the odd one. You know, they've lent into sort of his psychosis. And um, it's not really been until recently that they've found this, they've, they've sort of found a groove with him. Um, but even I said, like, you know, they, they targeted him at, at different places. So when they came back, they should go back to the Sean Houston run, this latest 
the post 2000 stuff, they were clearly like, right, he's not a kiddie character. You know, we sort of we tried we tried that, and it, we ended up constantly going in dark directions. We couldn't seem to help ourselves with mm-hmm. these ideas. So let's just lean into it. And I think when you do that, if you're not, unless you are funny, like a Deadpool, or you've already got a good fan base, like a Wolverine or something, like it does, it it, it doesn't land. It, you know, it doesn't get a wide audience. Um, and that Houston run got got critical acclaim. Like you know, it's one of the it's one of his most popular runs. Um, and also, I think the other thing is, is they're just short runs. So there's because, because there's been so many number ones. If someone's like, "Where do I start?" and you're like, "Well," <laughs> <laughs> I always say, start at the beginning. And like, you know, if you can find those epic collections or find the issues, if you've got like Marvel Unlimited, they're all on there. Like, they're all on Comicsology. Well, no, in fact, they're not on Comicsology. That's the other thing. There's barely any on Comicsology. Um, you can go and read them. Go start at the beginning and work forwards. But I just think, like I say, he's not found a wide audience because, again, he's not a teen character. He's not straightforward. You know, it's it's um, it, it's that comparison to, to Batman. Like Batman does good, you know. Like there are ramifications and there's complexity to some, you know, to the Bat family and stuff. But with Moon Knight, it's like no, 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 no. Like he's not. <laughs> he's not that straightforward, you know. Like the, I mean, there's a great issue again in the Ellis run, um, where if you, if you, either of you seen the raid, yeah, the the yeah, um, the martial art film, it's phenomenal. Seriously, watch it if you if you haven't, Paul. Uh, it's it's that it's Moon Knight doing the raid. So he turns up in a limousine, um, and it basically you find out that a, a girl has been kidnapped, and so he's basically been. I don't know if he's been hired or whatever to, to retrieve her. And so he starts, just his limousine pulls up outside this sort of tenement building, and this guy runs in, and then all of a sudden his fist just comes out and pounds this guy. And then he sort of turns, he's, he's dressed in his white suit, takes his jacket off, rolls his sleeves up. And then the, the, the book, the, the issue is him going from the front door to the to the roof to get this girl back. And it's just a fight scene. Like, and it involves him sort of like you know breaking people's arms and, and legs and sort of throwing people downstairs and it's sort of like again beautifully illustrated and looks fantastic, and it ends with a guy on the a guy on the roof. We'll go back to the mooncopter. It ends with the guy on the roof holding the girl, and he's threatening to throw that he's threatening to sort of kill the girl, and so he he manages to get off her, but then uses the mooncopter to squash this guy. <laughs> <laughs> So again, like you know, it's that thing where you go, like I couldn't hand that to a kid. You know, you can't yeah. go, "Here, Billy, read this," because the parents would be like, "What the fuck are you doing? Take your take your ultra violence away from my children." Um, so yeah, it, I think that's it. I think he just you, you know, he's a character. Weirdly, it's one of those characters I get attracted to. It's like Judge Dread. You know, like Dread is, has got a complexity. Like he's not a good guy. He represents a fascist organization. He is the baddie. He's the figure of authority. But I still want to read those comics, and I want to see how you know. I want to enjoy the adventures. Same with Moon Knight. Like, yeah, he's not. He's not Batman. He's not Captain America. He's not Spider Man. Like he's gonna do damage. He's got. And he's his moral code is probably a little bit you know skew if, but I find him interesting. He's you know there's a complexity there that I find attractive. So. I think that's part of it. I think it's just not it's just not straightforward, um, you know. But I would say those fans that do love him love him. Like you know, Moon Knight fans. It's some of the, some of the best fans 
like really dedicated like you know um and that's always quite cool to see yeah yeah that's true thank you very much Faye. so we now enter the section of proceedings where tony farina has apparently been having a think <laughs> so it's tony time yeah it's tony time so tony farina of this very network he asks how do you think they handle the mental illness side of things with moon knight other heroes and villains clearly have mental illnesses and yet they are disregarded do you think that the fact they simply acknowledge he has one makes him less popular i think people struggle with it i do mm. and i think it's i think more so now because like i say it's it's clear that like you know Su superman wonder woman like, you know, it, sorry let's stick with the marvel universe if you're a mutant and you're you have the abilities to do things and you can be you know you can do some heroic like wolverine or cyclops whatever you're trained to do it do you have an obligation to do it do you have an obligation to use your superpowers for good like could you just sit at home and watch you know, binge watch Breaking Bad when you could be out going like, saving the world if you've got powers. And but so there's this thing, but then you do have superheroes that are mainly triggered by trauma. You know that you you go and also through their adventures. Like you know, don't tell me that Spider Man doesn't have nightmares for the times that all the some of the things that have happened in his life. Um, but they're never addressed. Like you know, these things where mental health issues really aren't addressed in super. It's sort of like brushed aside. Of like, no, they can just carry on. And you know, yes, we accept that this person with no powers dresses up. Or yes, this we were perfectly fine with this billionaire having a tech suit that can destroy a building. And you know, yeah, not a problem. Everyone's fine with that. So when you do get to an issue, a character that does acknowledge mental health issues you know it becomes a bit of a thorny subject because of this thing of like how is it being presented and did you know or, you know personality disorder or whatever you know we want to call it split personality disorder um it, it's this thing of now is it being treated with respect you know like they're not just going oh he's loony you know he's not just he's not just generic crazy it, you know are they actually respecting the 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 real world thing and so I think there's been this th this thing with with Moon Knight of he almost gets given a pass because they have acknowledged it and they have addressed it in certain ways. Like, you know, he has gone to therapy. He has spoken to people and he says, like, no, no, I know that this is an issue and I know it's not going to go away. So I'm sort of utilizing it for the best possible way. You know, I have a system in place um, of, of personalities. I can flick between them. You know, we have this thing in place. So it's quite close to what the DSM-5 describes it as, generally, you know. Um, so they've, they've tried to do it. When it hasn't been dealt with well, there have been some issues. Um, but it's never it's never made news. Like, it's not like, you know, sort of like Marvel characters says, you know, in disgrace, you know, disgraces crazy people. Um, but I do think it's it, it's one of those things that sort of, people just find a touchy subject you know um and there's always going to be that there's always going to be a crowd there's always going to be someone it's not really happened yet but i can tell you now when that show comes out if they don't deal with it in a, in a suitable gentle or upright way 
there'll be a vocal minority that are like, you know, cancel the show, it's disgusting. You know, it treats people with uh, DID, you know, as if they're all crazy. Do you have it? No? Right. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Let's see if people see it with you know that have this disorder. You know, there aren't many. It's very it's a very rare condition. Do they have an opinion? Do they do they actually care? You know, sort of thing. And and um, but I, I do think people are wary of it. And I think Marvel have backed off on it a couple of times. Like, you know, when Munch started to try and dig into it a little bit in that original run, they were very quick to be like, no, 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 <laughs> not touching this. No, not doing that. Thank you. Um, and so it's, it's sort of come back and that, but you know they gave it to Bemis. Max Bemis um, has you know readily admitted that he suffers from anxiety and depression, and you know he's sort of um, I've spoken with him, and you know really nice guy. And he said like, no, it's the game in the book, and said like, if you want to talk about mental health issues, do it because that's what the character sort of does, and he does. He sort of like openly not mocked it, but was sort of like slightly self-deprecating in the sense of like yeah no be having these issues is bad it's it's not good but you know what sometimes it's just a bit weird and you just have to deal with it and you know situations arise um that you've got to deal with and it's so as long as it's dealt with set with a bit of sensitivity i think it's fine but i think people get a bit mm, wary One of those areas that people are a bit scared of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, our next question is ah, from Mr. Farina. Um, he asks, how do you feel about Oscar Isaac being cast? There is a push in the media that people should only be cast if they meet the same cultural representation of the character. Oscar has played Jewish people before, but he is not Jewish. Does this uh, matter? I would love to hear everyone's thoughts on this. Bruce Wayne is Jewish, but they don't mm. really delve into it much uh, in the comics. So they don't really address it much in the movies, but since being Jewish is such uh, a part of who Moon Knight is, should this be addressed? First of, first and foremost, like Oscar Isaac, like he's just awesome. <laughs> like you know you know yeah all right, let, let, let's not talk about x-men apocalypse but like you know he's such a great he's such a great actor like you know and if you've seen like x machina and um i even enjoy him in, in the star wars sequels like i think the guy's got the chops like he can do serious and he can do complex and he can do like these you know really sort of sympathetic and complex roles and he can do the action stuff as well like he can be charming and he can be funny and stuff so no, you know, when 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 all the casting was being done, yeah, you know, the fan casting, and there were a lot of like um, Jewish actors were being thrown into the heap of this other stuff. But it was always like low level, not low level, sorry, like B list or C list guys, because you're sort of like, well, these are the guys that are going to get the TV roles, you know. And so when Oscar Isaac was cast, everyone was like, really? Like, you know, sorry, not only is this guy getting a, you know, because there's no like, um, he hasn't had a movie beforehand. This isn't like, you know. Um, uh, Anthony Mackie and and you know uh, what's it Stan? Um, I was going to say Stanley, <laughs> but you know Anthony Mackie and, and uh, the Winter Soldier guy, yeah, that started with movies and then have done the TV show. This is starting. This is this is uh, Oscar Isaac starting with a with a Disney Plus TV show. 
Um, so I was really excited because I think the guy is, I think I really think he's a great actor. And he's going to have Ethan Hawke in the show. And so I'm like, cool, two really good actors. So, no, that that's a good actor. That's all I wanted. I do definitely agree, though, about the Jewish representation because it is so fundamental to the Moon Knight character. If it was just a passing thing, like, say, like Bruce Wayne or some other things where they always a Jewish character, or, you know, um, I'm trying to give other examples. There's, there's characters that have, you know, that have sort of um, an ethnicity or a legacy that, or, you know, a heritage that isn't really touched on because it's never huge, it isn't like a big part of the character, so it's not important, but it is important to Moon Knight. Like his dad's a rabbi, you know, so it, it's it, it's sort of it's a big part of his um, origin story and stuff. So no, I, I think it should be. But again, like you know, I. Should he be Jewish? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't think that really matters, but I think it definitely needs to be addressed. He should definitely be represented in that way because it's important to the character. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, from what you've said, I think they would be, if they were to try and take that out of the character, which I'm sure they're probably tempted to do, I think it would change him just a bit too much. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a difficult one with this. You know, if it's a Jewish character, do you need a Jewish person? And if, I don't know. But then it's like, but then it's like uh, James Bond. Is James yeah. Bond the Catholic? Is he Christian? Do you know what I mean? And you've had, you've had Sean Connery, Roger Moore, like mm. Timothy Dalton. They're all probably of different faiths. Mm. And yet you've got this one character, so does it really matter? Yeah. I think I think that's it. It depends on the importance to the character. You know, if it's a fundamental thing, you know, and, and, and also like their ethnicity, like, you know, if it's a fundamental part of the character, like it's it needs to be represented in the right way. Yeah. But like you say there are other characters that sort of like, you know, it doesn't really matter. Like James Bond is a really good example because they're like, well, he's an English spy. All right. And so what does that sure. mean? Yeah, you've got Sean so, Connery. Yeah, we've had we've had a Scotsman, we've had a Welshman, we've had like an Australian, <laughs> you know. And and, and the, the moment we do, we, and we, you know, it's going to happen. And great, it's like Doctor Who is another good example. Like, you know, what does it matter who they are as long as the stories are good and the actors are good? Like, you know, the, there's the guy, the next guy that's in the in the running for Bond is the guy that was in Bridgerton. Camera's name Rene something or other. He's right. one of these sort of like young, ridiculously good-looking people that make you sick, <laughs> you know. Um, but I think he—he's, um, um, I don't know what his ethnicity is, but he's not white, you know. He's sort of like he's a, a person of color. And you look at him, and you thought you see his photos in the in the suit and stuff like that, and think, yeah, no, why aren't you? Yeah, you'd make a great Bond of the twenty-first century, like mm. as long as he's good-looking, he's suave and sophisticated yet lethal. Cool, yeah. I'm down with that. You know, that sounds excellent. Yeah, but if it's important to the character, then I think it sort of it, it needs that. It will need that representation. So I do hope it becomes part of the character. I'm, I really hope it's a part of the show. Not a central part, but I hope it's at least acknowledged, you know, um, because I think it's important to Mark. Yeah. Hopefully they do it justice. Mm. Speaking of doing it justice... Uh, our next question is from Steve Conroy, who is of this very network, but you may not have heard it yet as this is coming out. He has a show that he is working on. My favourite episode. Uh, so look out for that. 
Um, look out for his wonderful Australian voice blasting into your ears. <laughs> uh, he says, considering that his last three series have only lasted a year, mm. what is it about the character that is appealing enough to warrant a new series this year and a Disney Plus series? Um, although he's only in short runs, I think all those... So the, the, the runs that they've had of late, so within the last sort of six years... Um, have all sort of been critically acclaimed to an extent, um, and they've all been they've, they've all served their purpose. So, for example, uh, the Ellis run was designed to be so Ellis did six issues, um, each one's an independent story, and then I'm going to have to check actually. Colin Bunn I think took over, and then some of the and then somebody else did the final one. Someone has to correct me on that one. But there were like three sort of like chapters of this independent thing, and, and it sort of it just worked. And it was like, oh cool, that's good. It could have carried on, but Marvel now it was part of the Marvel now push, um, and as that came to an end, they sort of just brought the, the the thing to a run. But it feels like a nice, it feels like an overall 15 issues. I think it's 15, 16 issues. It feels like a nice run. It's enclosed. It's a full story, and the same with the the the, the Jeff Lemire run. It's fourteen issues, but it's one story. It's it's you know I, I refer to it as sort of like Crisis and in Infinite Minds. It's literally the story of uh, Mark dealing with his disorder, um, and I mean it's a phenomenal story. So it starts with him waking up in a, a really green, dungy, dingy, horrible asylum. And he breaks out, and when he breaks out, like New York is covered in sands, and there's these pyramids and stuff, and he's like, "What the fuck?" And then he gets attacked by mummies, and you're like, "Is this all in his head? <laughs> is this is this actually his? Is he trapped in his head?" <clears throat> and eventually, it works with like the old, his older characters, like so. There's like Crowley, who's what was one of his on-street informants, and then uh, Frenchie's there, and they all they all get killed in the in the proceeding of this story. <clears throat> and it turns out basically, yeah, it's, all this is pretty much all happening in his head, and it's him versus Conchu, and it's it's a battle with him between between him and Conchu for dominance over the the body of Mark Spector sort of thing, and it ends with him sort of coming to reconcile this, and it ends with him as that sort of that that moment where they sort of defeat Conchu, and he says, no, we are Moon Knight, you know, we are Jake Lockley, we are Stephen Grant, we are, we are Mark Spector, we are Moon Knight. <clears throat> and and then sort of going off and it sort of um and so again like it it works as a single story you know if it, it's it's a nice concise single story so that was the point of that story it was just jeff lemire wanted to tell this story um what one of the best things in that run is as it switches between personalities or at least personality perspective they change artist okay. so so greg smallwood is the main artist but then when he switches into like Stephen Grant, they go into sort of a, again like a different artist. And then Frank, Franco, uh, Francisco Francovia does uh, the Jake Lockley stories, uh, right. and they have got this French, uh, this French or Spanish, I think, uh, uh, artist comes in and does other work. And so it's really cool that every time he, he sort of like something happens, and it it pushes him into this other personality. This That's artwork clever. changes. Yeah, it's really good. So that worked well. And then again with uh, with Max Bemis, he did his run. He told the story he wanted to tell. Um, and so I think that's one of the things that's been really cool with Moon Knight. It's not an ongoing, but people have sort of in, in the last sort of six seven years, people have dipped in, told the story they want to tell, and come out again. And so they've just been. Um, I really like the Max Bemis run. I think again, it's one of those runs that sort of people. I think it's not biggest. Not everyone's the biggest fan of it, but people have sort of just dropped in, told their story, and left. 
and then Marvel have left it at that. And I kind of like that because it's not a forced ongoing where you're like, you know, I would love to be a really good ongoing, but they've left it at that. And so I don't think it's a detractor. I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, Because, you know, yes, there could be massive, there could be big epics. I mean, I always think about Jason Aaron when he did the Thor run. Like That was a massive sweeping epic that you know, dealt with Thor, and then you had Lady Thor with, um, you know, when Jane Foster became Thor, and he did all that stuff. But it was still the story he wanted to tell. It just so happened it took 50 issues or whatever. And, like, Al Ewing's now doing the the Immortal Hulk, which is brilliant. And he's done that for 50 issues. But that's the story he wanted to tell. Hopefully one day someone will want to tell a 50-issue Moon Knight story, and it'll be all that. But, no, I'm quite happy that they've done this stuff. I mean, the, the only one I would say of these dipping in and leaving that's, that's utter shit is, is Brian Michael Bendis um, did a 12 issue series and it's, it's drawn by Alex Maleev. So the art is phenomenal and the art is great, but the story is utter cack. <laughs> um, I've got, a, I've got, I've got a big hardback edition of it signed by Alex Maleev, but that's the only reason because I love the art, but the story is nonsense. Instead of having the Jake, uh, Steve and Mark, um, it's it's Stephen Grant is the predominant personality, but his other personalities or the ones he falls back on are Captain America, Wolverine, and Spider Man, and he uses their abilities. Sort of thing. Yeah, it, that's the face I made when I first. Started. I was like, what is this? <laughs> so it sort of it sort of doesn't work. Um, mm. And again, I think it's, it's it's generally considered by fans to be one of the the worst modern runs um, on the, on the character. So I don't I don't I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, if anything, I think it's a strength because they're all concise stories. There's no filler. So yeah, that answered the question. Yeah. <laughs> Disney Plus series might sort of be good for it because they are they're mm. not very constrained like all the ones they've had so far. The episodes are as long as they need them to be, and they the series are as long as they need them to be. Yeah, I'm hoping, like I say, yeah, because, and they've gone weird, like, you know, they're, they're not, mm. I have thoughts on them, you know, but I think, I think every single one of them had some really, really strong moments, you know, there's been some really good stuff in every single one of them, um, and because they are a bit more sort of like um, experimental with these shows, yeah, I'm hoping mm. they'll go, right, so let's, let's do, let's do Moon Knight Justice and do something a bit weird um, or brutal, so don't think they'll go full face cutting off. I think that's a bit much for Disney Plus, but you know, possibly. <laughs> tad. Yeah. <laughs> Just a tad. <laughs> well, one our very last question. Um, it kind of ties in with uh, Steve Conroy's question. Uh, it's from Mike Burton. Um, and he asks, do you think the upcoming series will help or hinder Moon Knight's uh, comic presence? I'm hoping help. I think it will help. I mean, it's the first time it's going. Um, you know, it's it's the all the others have had a popularity to begin with. You know, like Loki's always been quite cool, an interesting character, sort of like you know. And I think Tom Hiddleston in general helped that character. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was after Tom Hiddleston's appearance, really. You know, it was Loki and Thor, and eventually in Avengers that. Loki started to become a much bigger presence, I think, in the Marvel Universe. You know, you, I think it was after that he got his own solo series and all that sort of thing. So, and, um, you know, I, I love, I've, I've always liked sort of Falcon and the Winter Soldier as, as part of the Captain America series, especially picking up from the Brubaker years. 
uh, and then going backwards for some of the sort of Sam Wilson stuff so, and him becoming Captain America. So I've, I've, I, I like that beforehand, but they had a bit of a popularity going in. So, you know, it was sort of like they had a popularity going into the series, like Loki had a popularity going into the series. But this is the first time really where I think like it's a, it's a lesser known character that we're hoping is going to come out with the popularity. But, you know, I think he um, is riding on a wave of content that is like, well, we've already had like, what, 12 years worth of sort of Marvel films that are generally sort of loved, you know, generally good. The Marvel TV shows are generally good and enjoyed. So I'm sort of hoping if they maintain that quality and it's good, it can, it can only be a good thing. And they can start reprinting some of the bloody comics that they've never <laughs> reprinted. So that's the hope. I, I think it will be good. I do. I, I honestly think it'll be good for the character. The only thing that's that's um, that you see from these things is when the, the 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 on screen, the mainstream stuff, starts to affect the comics. You know. So when what what happens is, and it's clear they do this. They'll look at the TV show. What has struck a chord with the audience in the TV show? And then that will seep into the comics. And so if all of a sudden it's something, we like it when it's just Mark and Moon Knight. We like him just to have a single alter ego. We don't like this thing of personalities or whatever. That's, if that's the thing, like, you know, that's more, that is the, the one worry I have that it'll hopefully up his profile, but does it start to influence the character development down the line in a, in a, you know, take away some of that complexity that's existed before, but that's to be seen. Yeah, that is a concern that they get a bit comfortable with the TV show mm. and either forget the comics or make the comics an extension of the TV show. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Um, you know, I think I think you know if you get the balance right, it doesn't matter because you can you do that. I mean, Deadpool's one of those ones where they got the balance right. They went, oh no, we are going to go full art, and you're going to have a real representation of Deadpool. So you can read the comics and watch the films and it's it's very much a sort of a balance between the two but i think there have been characters that um can't think of it off the top of my head now but i think there's characters more so in dc that, that have been influenced by the tv shows or the films you know sort of like aquaman's a good example bloody hell you know sort of like um all of a sudden this clean cut you know um aquaman and then you get Jason Momoa, and they're like, "No, no, look, look, look! Now we've got <laughs> we've got long haired and shaggy bearded uh, Aquaman." Yeah. You're like, Re- "Really? All right." He was still not Samoan, you know. I don't. You know, yeah. like... <laughs> but again, uh, does it matter? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not bothered. But like, I do like the fact that like that they'll do that. Like, look, we've made him look like we've made him look like um, you know Aquaman in the films. Not really. <laughs> you've you've given him a beard. <laughs> And he's not blonde. Yeah. So yeah, I, th- that's the only concern. But we, we shall see. We shall see. I'm, I'm just, I am very excited for it. So. Fingers crossed. Mm. I think is the general opinion. Yeah. All around. Um. Yeah, that was our last official question. Oh. Unless there's anything else you think we need to, sort of cover. Not really. Go check him out. Just you know, if you if you if you're interested in the character, Google him. Check him on Comicsology. Uh, the the epic collections are out, or the complete collections. I think they're out. You know, the, there's books out there. 
um, just just give it a go. Give the character a go. I would say as also, I'll, I'll give it a plug now, in, well in advance. Um, I I have started work now on uh, a new book with Sequart. Uh, Judging Dread is out, which is my a collection of essays. I didn't write all of them. I should say it's me editing a collection of essays about Judging Dread. Um, I am now working again on, as an editor on a new book um, about Moon Knight. So we have yeah. started to gather contrib- contributors. We're talking about topics. Uh, and I've got some awesome people already coming in. Um, so I've got like a, I've got uh, at least one therapist to come in and talk about um, the the psychology of it all, you know, the sort of the actual disorders. Um, I've got a guy, uh, again, a doctor coming to talk about the faith element, um, you know, this idea of his, his Jewish heritage, and the, but then moving to being an avatar of an Egyptian god and sort of stuff. So, yeah, like, I'm really excited, you know, and uh, once again, I've got like professors and doctors and some really cool people, and I'm like, I might write something, my little thoughts, and, and I'll, I'll stick it. And because I'm editor, I can stick it in where I want. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but I'm very excited about it. I think it's going to be, again, you know, it's, it's a book about a character I love, and hopefully we can time it just in time with the TV show. So it'll sort of like, you know, I'm not, I'm not beyond whoring myself out for the popularity to make some more sales. Um, but also, like, it's not a character that's covered a great deal. So I think it's. Uh, Hopefully the fans will like it and get something from it. That's really the, the sort of, you know, the the big intent. Uh, and also say, if anyone is a fan of Moon Knight, listen to this. There is at least uh, one podcast called Into the Night. That's Into the Night. Uh, I-N-T-O, the K-N-I-G-H-T. Uh, and it's a Moon Knight podcast. Um, by a good friend, good friend of mine, Ray. And they do some great stuff over there, sort of talking about news and the comics. They'll dip into they've had all kinds of people, they've had creators on, artists, writers, uh, fans, they've done all kinds of stuff. So uh, you know, if you're a fan of Moon Knight, check out that podcast because it's actually a really cool, uh, really cool show. Brilliant. I shall be adding that to my list. Mm. My extensive list. <laughs> uh yeah, brilliant. And uh everyone keep eye out on the uh, on the news for the book as well. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, thank you very much, Scott. So everyone, be sure to keep watching the social medias to see what our next subject will be. Get your questions in. As always, keep sending in your requests for what you'd like us to talk about next. All your votes count and are carried forward. We will get to them eventually. Collectively, we can be found on Instagram, Facebook and the Twitters by searching for Superheroes for Dummies. Uh, we will go to our guest last. Dan, where can the peeps find you? So the peeps can find me on the deep dark Twitterverse under the handle dark underscore Ronan84. So that's dark underscore R-O-N-I-N 84. Yeah. Uh, and then you can find me on the Twitters at Paul Damac, P-A-U-L-D-A-M-A-C. Uh, you can find my other show, Geek, on the Fantastic Universe's podcast feed, of which Scott has kindly appeared on. You mm. can find out all about his backstory and his wrestling and all sorts of thoughts about lots of wonderful things. Uh, so hit that up. Um, you can find links to all the individual episodes, superdummy.co.uk. That's about it, really. Uh, Scott, where can the people find you? What What are you up to? Plug whatever you like. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, so within the law, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, oh, yeah. Well, talking of the law, first things first. Well, no, I'll talk the podcast first. So I've got two podcasts, as you say. I've got 20th Century Geek, uh, available on all sorts of podcast catchers and can be found on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, a few other things, uh, just under at 20th Century Geek. That's 20th Century Geek. Uh, I also have one I do with a uh, good friend, Julian Darius, as you mentioned, sort of uh, uh, from Sequat. We do stories out of time and space in which we review and discuss sci-fi movies um, and really sort of break them down. And we can be found on Twitter at Pod Time Space. Uh, happy to talk to anybody and everybody about all those different topics. Uh, and also I can be found individually as at Scott Weatherly. Um, and talking about the law, yes, I have a book out called Judging Dread. Uh, examining the world of Judge Dredd. It's a collection of 12 uh, or 13 essays, actually, about Judge Dredd, uh, with an interview from Rob Williams, one of the Dredd creators, or one of the Dredd writers, and a forward from Matt Smith, current editor of 2000 AD. And it can be found on sequart.org uh, and also available on all the Amazons across the world. Uh, and I think other book book things, but it's Judging Dredd. So go check that out. Yes, do check it out. And thank you very much, Scott, for joining us. Um, a peek behind the scenes it's been a bit of a nightmare to get this together we've had to yeah. we've had to move it around a few times so thank you very much it is very appreciated um and everyone send your good vibes to steve's laptop and hopefully mm. he will be able to <laughs> rejoin the interweb soon make sure you listen to all the other shows on the network there's some amazing stuff there for everybody give us a like subscribe five star review tell your friends families neighbors enemies all the usual peeps uh thank you very much for listening we are superheroes for dummies we are produced by steve and adam ray edit and mixed by adam ray music from professor elemental and we are a proud member of comics in motion and at some point i should write down what it is that steve says remember guys your requests your votes your episodes every hero needs theme music and this is mine find a beat that shines renewed spirit and mind Spitfire when I swig in with some friends of mine Rewire till I arrive at the end of time This is music to play in black holes Alternative futures Retune to play on your onboard computer A song to play in Batmobiles Or Plastic Man's iPod Zatanna backwards magic words Or Marvel Man, my god Fire up the turbines, the game's afoot Underwear over tights is now a good look If there's been monkey business, I head off on a mission I'm ready for anything in a head-on collision So listen all vagabonds Scoundrels and villains, beware because it's on, this is just the beginning No cape, just a time belt with vivid shine Every hero needs theme music and this is mine Ladies and gentlemen, back to the last Big, big wave, cause here I come Professor Drinking his tea This is your tune now, your theme music Stand strong in the storm or easily breeze through it I'm passing a mantle, bestowing a gift It might take you some training before you know what it is It's the bite of a spider that's radioactive It's mutant synapses becoming finally active When no one else could ever really walk in your shoes Walking into exams or out of job interviews To deal with every evil ex or several devilish kids To enter the ring already a legend Ready to win whenever it is Every right to work on a Monday in a hurricane Tired and you're underpaid Find you want to run away Hey! Face front, true believer! If you don't believe in you, then 
teaser. This is the teaser trailer for your blockbuster event. And you're at the center. This is so intense. When I get stupid to the point that I'm mentally fair. Like cross, we drop the baby. 